This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Yes, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 Network. My guest tonight is Robert Bruce. He is the author of several groundbreaking books exploring such mysteries as the human energy body, the out-of-body experience, kundalini, mind's eye vision, spiritual and psychic development, metaphysics, psychic security, spirits of nature, and manifestation. He is a true spiritual pioneer of our times dedicated to exploring the dynamics of all things spiritual, metaphysical, and paranormal. Robert Bruce is constantly testing the boundaries with the greater reality. Once again, thank you for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Don't forget you can call into the program at 760-332-8724 or on Skype. End of days, Mike, letter Y, and not an I. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America, no matter where you are on this island earth. I really appreciate you being here with me on this very special edition of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight we'll be covering a plethora of topics as we take yet again another journey into our psyches. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Don't forget, this is a call-in program Call in any time you'd like. That number is 760-332-8724 or on Skype, end of day's Mike, letter Y and not an I. Now I believe my guest is ready to go. Let's patch him in. And of course, don't forget, after the break, I'll be back and, well, there's Robert Bruce now. How are you? Hello. Nice to see you again. You know, it's been a very long time since I last spoke to you. Oh, no, you broke up there, Robert. Oh, sorry. How long ago? How long ago was it? Oh, it must have been seven or eight months now. I, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to be back. I know it's fantastic to finally talk to you yet again here on the program. So much has changed. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I've got a lot of things going on there. Oh no, Robert, you're you're cutting in and out very badly tonight. Oh, I'll just check my microphone. Oh, there you are. Now you sound way better. How's that? Yeah, I just moved my microphone in. Ah, perfect. It's been a little bit iffy lately, and uh, yeah, 
Yeah, that happens. Don't worry. So, Robert, once again, thanks for being a part of the program. And uh, since it's been such a long time and newer listeners are not familiar with you, Robert, can we go through your background? Sure. I, um, I'm the author of um, several books. Uh, the first one I produced was launched in 1999. I was Astral Dynamics, which is um, uh, everything you want to know about astral projection and how to do it. Uh, it's a major book. And um, I followed that up with a book called The Practical Psychic Self-Defense Handbook, um, which result actually I, I didn't intend to become a writer it was accidental <laughs> now i've written about eight books and um it's you know i'm, I'm kind of um grandfathered in now um the uh, the second book the, my first book um resulted from uh, an accident um i had written this um um book and i was intending to share it on the internet free but I accidentally uh, talked to somebody on a news group and it was one of those sort of letters that had about 20 CCs and BCCs on the email. And I accidentally emailed a man called Frank DeMarco, who was the um, CEO, uh, editor-in-chief of Hampton Roads Publishing in Virginia. And the accidental, very nice guy, and we started talking, and, and I just mentioned that what I, why I was calling him. I'd written this um, book, and he wanted to see it, and uh, his company bought it, and that launched me out into the um, publishing world. And then a couple of years later, I was having an argument with the editor that had been assigned to me there, one of their chief editors. And uh, during the argument, which got really extensive, with, I don't know, dozens of people involved in it, um, other authors and experts in the field. And in the end, I started, bang I lost my temper and I started banging the table and said, if I wrote a book on this subject, I'd do it this way and I'd tell the truth, blah, blah, blah. And Frank said, and we'll publish it. Here's a contract. That was my second book, accidentally. Now, the third one was planned, but after that, I gave in and just started writing. And my third book was uh, called um, Energy Work which um, is all about the new system of energy work that I've developed, which is called body awareness, tactile imaging. And this is how it's very simple. It's about using the sense of touch to move energy through your body, to stimulate chakras, to project energy for healing and activating chakras and things like that. And it's very, very effective. In fact, it's the most effective system in the world. It, it's fundamental in the in the sense that once you understand um, body awareness, uh, energy work, um, once you get it, which only takes a few minutes of practice, it's very, very simple. Um, it will make everything else that you do work as well. So if you're doing Tai Chi or Chinese energy work, uh, Qigong, it will make your Qigong work better because once you connect to the um, your sense of touch in the, in the way of moving energy, your body automatically uses that to move energy, to stimulate the energy body. So it, it makes everything work better. But on its own, it's it's a very effective uh, system. And um, recently, anyway, that's where I came from. And I've, I've been working as a, um, you could say, metaphysician and explorer um, my entire life. Um, over the, particularly over the last 40 odd years. So I've been around a while. 
I'm 62 now and uh, just getting started at Spoilie C. Yes, and of course, you're from Australia, for those who are curious. Yes, I live in down under Australia, and uh, the weather is usually lovely here this time of year, but we've got a storm coming in. It's, uh, it's nice. We need the rain. Very nice. And, of course, you are known for your astrodynamics course and and other books that you have authored, like the Practical Psychic Self-Defense Handbook. And I believe, yeah. are you going to write another one? Well, all of my books are in second editions now, which tells you something about the right. and their popularity. I think Astrodynamics has sold well over 200,000 copies. Um, and the other ones are, uh, are catching up on that. So they're doing well. That's yeah, not bad. Over the last several years, uh, I've always been an internet presence. I'm a bit of a geek myself. And um, I've always had a website with lots of free articles, and that is astraldynamics.com. And astraldynamics.com is, is like a, a place where I express myself. But we, um, I, I created um, some video-based courses um, on my work because I, I discovered a lot of people do not like to read very much. And my books are, are fairly sizable. I think the first one is like Astral Dynamics is about 400 pages. And uh, a lot of people don't learn well from reading. So I created a video-based course on that. And uh, currently we're offering um, Astral Projection Mastery, which is uh, about all about astral projection. And we have um, Raising Kundalini is another major program. Um, I haven't written a book for that yet. I've been meaning to. That'll be a, a major book which I'll probably call Kundalini Dynamics when I get around to writing it. And um, we have another one there all about manifestation and self-healing and connecting with your higher self, your divine self, and that is called Manifestation and Self-Healing. And we're just about to launch a new program called Defense Against Dark Arts, which is all about uh, protecting yourself um, and in many, many subtle and many practical ways. The material is drawn largely from my book, The Practical Psychic Self-Defense Handbook. And it's called Practical Psychic Self-Defense for a reason, if you're not familiar with this work. I use practical methods that anybody can use right now, as opposed to most other books on the subject require extensive training plus a lot of beliefs. You have to believe in certain things and it's about prayers and rituals and things. Mine is based on uh, practicality, uh, things that even children can do. For example, if you come, came under an intense psychic attack right now, which is very distressing and painful, yes. uh, particularly if a negative entity is involved, if you jump in the shower, it stops instantly. All the symptoms go away while you're in the shower. It may start up again when you get out of the shower, but while you're under the shower there, instantly stops it. And you have to ask yourself, why? Yeah, why? Now, over decades of uh, studying this phenomena, this is hands-on study. This is not research. I mean, I, in actual field situations, as a healer, and I, be, I became somewhat of an exorcist as well, and people just came to me. And so I had uh, the... I, could, I worked on a great number of cases where people, adults and children, were having these, this phenomena occurring to them, including poltergeist phenomena, possession, uh, you name it. 
and I've got to work hands-on with helping these people find ways to defend themselves. And uh, now I use things like running water. I discovered quite early in the piece is a powerful defensive measure. Um, and uh, extrapolating from that um, electrical grounding or earthing, it is called today. Now you can buy a lot of products on the internet for electrically grounding the human body. You can get electrically earthed bed sheets. They call them grounded bed sheets and shoes and foot pads. And yes. Pads. By the way, Robert, I just wanted to stop you for a moment and just ask, how do you know when you are being under psychic attack? Well, the, the, there are various ways. You can, it's usually um, something quite significant. Now, if um, if I come under attack, which I do quite regularly, given what I do, because I'm always working with people, helping people um, remotely and in person with these things, and some of these negative inorganic beings, negs I call them, um, you could also call them quite fairly demons. But by calling them negs, it kind of downplays. The D word has a scary um, overtones to it. Just mentioning that word will really, you know, increases a level of fear. Uh, so I try and downplay that and de-emphasize it a bit. But typically you would get uh, bell tones like ringings in the ear of, of various tones. You would have um, cold shivers up your back. You would have sharp pains. Um, often usually focused around the feet as if somebody is jabbing you the sole of your foot with a thumbtack. And you can get a phenomena, of course, around you. You might get things moving, levitating in the room, flashing lights, orbs moving around, particularly uh, dark-colored orbs. And and also they meant an impingement. You find that the mind becomes polluted or obsessed in some way. Uh, you might find your mind is suddenly filled with perverted sexual thoughts and you can't you have difficulty pushing it out of your mind. And when you do, it comes straight back again. That sounds like most men, though, Robert. Oh, no, not, not, not to this extent. I mean, men have natural, healthy sexual thoughts. Oh, this is. And so, and this, so do women. This is I more mean, extreme then. Yeah, this is extreme and they, they're really perverted. These uh -oh. are not healthy sexual thoughts I about see. having relationship or sex with another person. This is, you know, goes into the real dark stuff, Ooh. you know. Think cannibalism and really icky stuff coming in um, that you would not normally think about. And this is one of the litmus tests. If what this pressure fantasy you're getting is something you would normally think about, in, you know, if you know yourself and your mind, then um, it could just be you. But I see. Yeah, some it, people have some very impure thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, for example, if you are completely uh, heterosexual and you start having uh, fantasies that are not heterosexual, mm. then you would start to think, what, where is this coming from? Oh, I see, yes. Yeah, something which was, you would not normally do. But also the pressure that it keeps coming into your mind. You might push it away for two seconds and it comes straight back. It won't give you any peace and you can't get any work done or do anything else. You just get this these fantasies. And the fantasy might involve um, killing your family with a chainsaw, for example. That's just terrible, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, really icky stuff. Yes. Um, 
and, you know, and distressing, sort of thing you wouldn't normally think about. And this is a good litmus test. If you can, normally, if you get a fantasy or something comes into your head, you can just push it away and shelve it and go on about your business. But if it won't go away, if it keeps coming back like a machine gun and you get this obsession built up, an obsessive mindset, that's a pretty good indicator that you're under some kind of attack. There's probably a lot of people like that. Yeah, there is. Um, in my estimation, probably about 10% of people are susceptible to uh, negative type influences. And out of that 10%, probably 1% of them uh, can have severe um, psychic attacks and entity abuse. Yeah, I could only imagine those who um, suffer from mental illness or some other sort of addiction, like a sex addiction, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but it, so it goes it goes beyond that. Um, now, a good litmus test is if you get something like that happening um, and phenomena and weird feelings, weird atmospheres around. If you ju- if you jump in the shower and take a quick shower. If it instantly stops, I mean, the second you put your step under the shower, if it all stops and you feel normal again while you're under the shower, uh, that tells you that this was something exterior to you, impinging upon you. Now, if it starts to come back the moment you get out of the shower or shortly afterwards there, that's another indicator that this something around you which is projecting those bad thoughts into your head. You may also have, uh, as I said, the uh, pinpricks in the feet, um, sharp pains, cramps anywhere in the body can also be a part of this. Um, And some of them are quite severe, but, I mean, the running water defense is very powerful. Um, For example, I've repeated this experiment a hundred times. You get somebody that is under attack, and usually they cannot even walk. You have to, like, half carry them. And if you I go into the backyard and I put a, a garden hose down on the grass and turn the tap on so it's gushing water, and I walk the person across the water or just across the hose, the instant they step over the hose, they straighten up and, hey, I feel normal now. What, what was that? They take one step back over the hose and down they go. Oh, it's got me again. And one step back over the hose, I feel okay again. And you do that a few times, and pretty soon you, you come to the conclusion that you can't see it and you can't sense it, but there is something on the other side of that garden hose that bites you whenever you step over it. It's like having a savage dog there that the instant you put your foot over there, it attacks you again. Now, if you go back into the house again but by a different route without recrossing the hose, um, you can normally avoid it and, you know, leave it there. Um, but you have to ask yourself, there you are standing in front of a garden hose that one yard to your right is gushing water onto the grass and you're putting your foot over the hose and when you get to an exact point, you're getting pain shooting up your leg and all these weird things come back and you you, <coughs> you start to collapse um, in, in a heartbeat. This happens and you pull your foot back, nothing's happening. And you think to yourself, this is some kind of spirit here. You can't see it or sense it, but you can sure feel it when you put your toe back over that line. Now, you have to ask yourself, one yard to the right, the hose ends and there's gushing water there. This entity would have to move two yards to the yard to get around the hose to get at you again. Why doesn't it ever do that? They never do. 
it's like they can only sense you by, you know, line of sight directly in front of you. It actually tells you a lot about the nature of these entities. They do not have eyes like we have. They don't see the world like we see it. They have some kind of energy sight whereby maybe the garden hose, because of the strong electrical grounding in the water and the electromagnetic field that is generated by running water, which is scientifically quite well known about, maybe that creates something like this gigantic chasm in front of it that it can't cross. And it doesn't see that it ends, to, you know, two yards to, the, to its left. The, it suddenly ends and it could go around there. It doesn't see that for some reason. Now, what I do then is um, I make a loop of the hose on the ground and I go into the loop, and an open loop, I should say. I go into the loop and I take the person out over the hose that way. And then I grab the end of the hose and without lifting it off the ground, I slide it in so it's crossing the base of the hose. So now I've got a big closed loop a few yards across and I pull the garden hose on the ground until that loop becomes about half a yard across or less. And then, because I've got the entity trapped inside of that loop, and then I get the business end of the hose and I gush a lot of running water through there, really hose it down thoroughly. And then I find if I open the loop up, step over the hose again, it's not there. I've demanifested the entity yes. back into the planet. Because if you follow the, the model that I work with here, there is an electrical uh, field on the surface of the Earth that covers the entire planet over the surface of the water, the Earth, up every tree, up every wall in your house, inside and out. It even flows up over your physical body. And this electrical field is caused by lightning strikes, of which there are 7,000 lightning strikes per minute around the world. And this Energy, when a lightning bolt hits a planet, apart from maybe damaging a tree or a bit of soil where it hits, the energy from that, billions of volts of electricity, spread out instantaneously over the surface of the Earth. Now, with the continual barrage of the planet with these thousands of lightning strikes per minute, uh, you find you have a perpetually dissipating field of energy uh, on the surface of the Earth. And this field of energy is like another dimension in which Earth element type beings live. It's like a 2D, it's like flat land, a two-dimensional dimension uh, that these things live in. And ah, yes, I, I was just about to ask you, uh, these yeah. entities, are they coming from a fourth dimensional field? Well, that's possible. <clears throat> if you look at how this works, I've, I've had a, a discussions with some quite high-level physicists. Sure. I mean, I wasn't married to one. Um, uh, my wife teaches high-level physics. She's a, an engineer by trade. And uh, so I have really good sources of information. But, I mean, actual nuclear physicists as well, people like Tom Campbell and that, I've had uh, discussions with about this. And they said, as there is this energy field on the surface of the Earth, there must be a corresponding connected field in the stratosphere, which is a part of this uh, field. One is on the planet and one is, you know, mirroring that in the stratosphere. Now, I'm starting to think that these entities actually live, their natural place of existence is in the stratosphere. And you could call them a dimensional entity because they're definitely not from the physical world. But because of this, how this energy field works, it gives them access, limited access to human beings. 
And this would also explain why um, free roaming negative entities don't survive very long in our world, and they seem to be desperate to attach to another living being, whether this is an animal or a human being. They have a desperation to connect with a living being, and then that connection um, stops them from, you know, it basically protects them from exposure to natural earths. Like if a neg is outside and it rains, that neg is going to get demanifested because there's a lot of moving water, electromagnetic fields, and also the ground gets wet and provides a very strong earth, so they get sucked into the planet and they end up back in the uh, stratosphere again, in the uh, the natural place. It's almost like an analogy I'll give you here. I come up with a couple of days back. It's just like how we uh, have boats that go on the surface of the ocean. Now, <coughs> We know there's a lot of fish and a lot of food deep down in the ocean. Right. And we devise ways, whether we're using fishing lines or fishing nets or trawling nets, to get those fish from deep down in the ocean. There's an analogy here. And all of our, you know, a lot of our food comes from deep in the ocean. And I think it's something like this. They must have a poor natural energy for some food supply up there in the stratosphere. So they cast their nets down. These are like energy feelers. They, they ride the lightning down. It gives whole new meaning to the, to the term fallen angel. Ah, yeah. When, when you think of entities riding the lightning down and then going hunting for animals or human beings, with, which will enable them to stay here longer. And when a neg is firmly established in a person, it then starts connecting to other people around it and starts creating a network around them. This is like a food net um, for the entity or entities which are attached to this in the stratosphere. This is a a, a, a model a, a work in progress, I should say. I'm developing this model. Um, like I developed the model with the original model with the electrical field on the earth and started working with that using running water and electrical earthing and that. This is, um, I've been doing that for many, many years, but I'm now expanding upon that. And by trying to um, get more information about these, which I can only get by imagining how it works logically, and then uh, once I've developed a model, uh, I try to come up with new countermeasures that work. And it's an ongoing process. Yes, and just just for conversation, I, I've always wondered what your opinion was on the late Sylvia Brown. Who? Uh, Sylvia Brown. I, I've heard the name, but I'm not really familiar with her work. What is? Can you refresh my memory on that? I've read hundreds of books, and they blur. Yeah, she's she was an American author who claimed to be a medium with psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Way back in the '90s, she did all sorts of appearances. Uh, through several uh, talk circuits, rather the you know the big shows, Montel Williams, okay, I, I Larry King. I, yeah, I, I have an idea of who you mean now. Um, yeah, Sylvia Brown, have... very well known name. Yeah, I think I've got one of her books on my shelf somewhere, but I haven't yet read it. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I've always wondered what your opinion was on uh, you know other psychics out there, other mediums. I, I've always wanted to ask you that. Okay. <clears throat> I think about these things, my friend. The, I have to say, everybody out there, by and large, is doing what they believe is true according to their beliefs. 
and their own programming. Now, it would be obvious that if you have somebody that's brought up with a Judeo-Christian background in our society, right, and you've got to think of all the children's stories and the Father Christmas and the Easter Bunny and all the things that we grew up with, the things you learn from in the church and the movies that are out there, uh, movies about, you know, demonic things. That's a big things. influence. Yeah, and you get things like um, um, which – in movie land, it, they depict the afterlife and things like this and how things work. Now, people get, you could say, programmed by that. We get beliefs in that, grow from that. Now, in the New Age movement, which used to be called the uh, Christian Spiritualist Movement, and this has grown for a couple hundred years, the you, if you look back at the roots of where this came from, you will see a lot of the beliefs in that which are held today come from books which are written around 1850, 1870, based on channel information. Uh, case in point here, the it's a common belief today that if somebody has a spirit problem, uh, a negative entity type problem, the, it, the victim is blamed for the problem. And you find there are people out there on YouTube and that today saying if somebody's obsessed or attacked by a spirit, it is only because they have something that is like the spirit inside of them, which is attracting it. Now, almost globally across the board there, people with negative entity type problems are blamed. The finger of blame is pointed at them for doing something wrong, for having bad thoughts, which are attracting the thing that's attacking them. Yeah. And that is total rubbish. It's absolutely untrue. I mean, I've, I've seen babies six months of age under massive demonic attack. Really? Now, you, you've, you've seen, seen a baby, yourself. Robert? Yeah. Ooh, that's not yeah, a pretty sight. I've worked, I've worked with a lot of children. I've probably learned more from working with babies and children over the years than I learned from working with adults because children are so open and honest. And you have to look. When you have a six- or nine-month-old baby that – is pre-language age, this baby doesn't think in words. It's incapable of having bad thoughts. All the baby knows is it's clean crib, clean diapers, nice warm milk, right. cuddles, yes. toys. That's mm -hmm. all the baby knows. It's impossible. Now, when I when I have this argument comes up there, the my opponents, which is like 99% of people in the field, which want to blame the victims on that, they fall back on the karma excuse. This is another thing which is totally unfalsifiable. You cannot falsify that. So they fall back on the karma excuse, and then I'm advised, oh, well, the child must have bad karma then. Yeah, the, 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 the karma thing, thing the, the whole karma thing, sometimes I believe it doesn't really exist, Robert. Yeah, I'm with you there, buddy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm serious. I, I always get into this conversation uh, on air, off air. I honestly believe there's no such thing as karma or else the earth would cease to exist. I have to tell you, my friend, I do not know if there is karma or not. Right. Now, the way my mind works is I have learned the value, as every true scientist will learn, learns that, you know, I'm talking about scientists which are exploring new fields. That you, if you, if you accept an excuse for something, for example, if you say, oh, this is happening to this child because of karma, the case is closed. All we can do now is just go away and get on with our lives and leave the child to it, yeah. work out our own karma, right? We just shut the door on a massive topic. Now, I have learned the value of staying in the question. 
if you stay in the question and say, is it karma? I don't know. According to these books and these religions, karma is like an Eastern belief. Yeah. I do, I do not know. I think there are, there is, there is evidence here, here and there. You will come across evidence for karma where somebody has bad karma from a past life or however you want to interpret that. I see something. It's, it's only fairly recently, a couple of years, my friend, that I accepted the existence of past lives. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious that you said that because I was just about, yeah. about to follow up with, uh, if you are under the belief of children who remember past lives. Mm. Very strange well, you phenomena. Have, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have two parallel things here. You have the belief that past lives are random, has nothing to do with hereditary, physical, biological. Uh, your biological family tree is on one side. Now you and your siblings, if you have any, and your parents, if you go up your family tree, you've only got to go up your family tree a couple of hundred years and you've got hundreds and hundreds of people in your family tree. You go a couple of hundred years further and there are tens of thousands of people in your family tree, which you're connected to. Now, when, in my experience, when a baby is conceived, an astral copy of the mother and an astral copy of the father fuse together in the new child. So every child contains a copy of the, each parent, the mother and the father, in each of them. If you look at my work on astral projection and the basic mind split effect, whereby you can be still conscious in your physical body and thinking, and you could have an astral projection in progress, so you are thinking, um, in two in two completely separate bodies, your dream mind will also become active. So there are one, two, three copies of you functioning simultaneously. So you can be in more place than one. And if you look at some of the Eastern religions and that it is, uh, for example, to be called an avatar, I think it is, you, a, uh, a guru or a mystic needs to uh, physically materialize in 12 places at once simultaneously and he needs to be able to prove that. I think there's something in, in the, in the criteria where you need to be able to manifest in multiple, multiple places simultaneously to get the, uh, the highest ranking of avatar. But that's kind of like quantum mechanics. Yeah, it is. But now given that this happens so that you contain an astral copy of your furthest ancestor. And I think biologically scientists have nailed it down uh, a few thousand years ago to one woman in Africa is the, literally Eve. She is the mother of every human being that's never been tested this. They haven't nailed it down to one man, which you'd have to add of course, but they haven't brought it down to one woman in Africa that we're all connected to. Now, so given that we have, you could say, just, just work with me here. We have a, uh, an astral copy of your, even your most remote ancestor. So you have millions of astral copies in your makeup. Okay. Which is yes. a part of you. You can actually see these. There is a phenomenon that occurs. If you sit in a, um, dimly lit room in a relaxed state and gaze at a mirror in very dim light, after a while, you will start to see little cameo faces around you and you'll start to see big, bigger faces 
transposed over your face and you'll find some of them are male, some of them are female, some of them the lips are moving, the more active ones, the ones which are more active in your personality, you will tend to be larger and more active. But you'll find there are thousands of little cameo faces of all different races around you. And this is like inexhaustible. They keep changing and there are literally thousands and thousands, probably millions of them. And some are not even human. You will find there are some ET-like faces. Yeah, that, appearing you know, that's you. starting to remind me of a mild hallucination, which you could do. And then you brought up that subject. And of course, many people hallucinate with the use of drugs to obtain these higher, yep. yeah, these higher planes of I've done this with groups. I've done this with children. The results are always the same. I've had a lot of people coming to me cold, talking about this phenomena. It's like if I'm just sitting there like half asleep, gazing into the mirror or whatever, I see all these faces around me. And people think, oh, these are evil demons attacking me and things like that. But when I analyze it a bit further, I said, no, you're seeing your ancestors. And this is what your ancestors are which gives a little bit of weight to um, ancestor worship, which some places in the world, I think Japan and other places, do have ancestor worship, where they um, have a great respect and that for their ancestors, which is probably quite wise um, in the look of it. But anybody can do this. I've only had children do this. And it's and I, I often do this at my live workshops where I've got like, and I have 70 people there, and I get a test subject to strip to the waist, uh, usually a young man, um, and we put a, a dark, like a, a, a dark matte black background behind them, and I get the lights just right, and everybody is sitting there. I've been teaching them how to induce altered states and how to relax and that, and they just gaze at this person, and it's not long before everybody in the group is seeing these faces and that appearing around them. And then we use, do mirror work where people look into mirrors under similar lighting and they start seeing these things as well. You only have to look. They're quite easy to see. Anybody can do it. you just got to be patient and really relax and allow your eyes to relax and, um, and not focus. You let them unfocus and relax and you will start seeing these weird things happening over your face and around your face. You can come up with lots of explanations for that. Mine is very logical. It appears to be um, these are ancestors. And this is a, a working model I'm developing here is that there is an astral copy of every ancestor inside of every person. And in an evolutionary sense, this starts to make a bit of sense here. Where the same sort of thing, you know, as above, so below, in your physical body, you have cell material, DNA material from your furthest ancestor. You know, every single ancestor you've ever had, you have a little bit of them inside of you. So this is below the physical representation of that. What I'm saying is there is a subtle representation of this as well, uh, which involves the, um, um, the astral copies of your ancestors, you know, accumulating in you as well. And you will pass this on to your children, uh, yada, yada, yada. And uh, this happens on the DNA level. It also happens on the energy level as well. And that kind of makes sense. Yes, certainly. Now, on the other side of this, you see, we have the uh, the common belief now that people, when they reincarnate, they one is they get to choose, you know, where they're going to reincarnate, and they plan the next life and that. And I think that's probably cop. I think 
Probably in very rare exceptions, if a person is advanced enough to die consciously and remain conscious in the afterlife, when that happens, if they don't fall into the bardo realms, which are the realms of illusion, um, and you stay conscious there, yeah, possibly you could um, then decide to, you know, pick out a family that you want to reincarnate into. And you, like the Dalai Lama does, you could select a family and then you could join with a, a new fetus or when the child is, uh, when a woman conceives, you could join with her and be born to that woman. Um, that's a possibility, but the Bardo realms are pretty difficult to get past. And what the Bardo realms are, you may have heard of them. What A simple way to understand this is you look at the below, you know, as above, so below. In the physical world, we're awake and active during the day, and we get tired and we fall asleep at night and we dream. Now, in the afterlife, you're active for a certain length of time, and then you get tired and you start to dream. But when you start to dream in the afterlife, and I've studied the afterlife extensively for, for decades now, the if you're in the afterlife and you physically died, if you start to have a little fantasy or a little reminiscence or something like that, you are instantly transported to that fantasy. So if you are standing in a hospital and you start remembering a holiday you had at a, at a tropical beach somewhere, you were instantly standing on that tropical beach. And once you start fantasizing and dreaming, these are daydreams, you're dreaming. Once you start dreaming, there's no way back. You know that movie out with uh, DiCaprio called Inception? Oh, yes. It's very similar to that. If you look at the movie, which was very, very well done, the once you get like three or four levels deep in the dreams here, it's impossible to find your way back because you were very, very likely when you come back, you're actually creating another dream. So you're not actually back in physical reality. You're in a, in, in a copy of physical reality, with, but, which is still green. I've, I've, I've experienced that myself being several layers deep in green. Yeah. So and I was just I've, about to ask you, are you still currently having these um, amazing lucid dreams still, Robert? Yeah. They, they come and they go. Um, nothing over the last few weeks really memorable, but they seem to come in patches like rashes of, experiences and then I, I can spend months like just I mean I'm sitting here nothing's happening I'll get tired I might play a computer game or something and um, <clears throat> I find Borderland 2 very relaxing. Borderland 2 great game. <laughs> yeah it is I find it very relaxing <clears throat> and um, it takes your mind off things. True or, yeah. Or Fallout 4, that's another relaxing A game. favorite of oh. mine Robert you have become my favorite guest all over again. I am a master at Fallout 4 and um, and Borderlands 2. You know, a lot of um, this program was influenced by uh, Fallout, the video game. Oh, really? Yeah, there's some. I, there's, I, yeah. I played that for so many years. There's it's some. Like, yeah, there's some things in there. I, I say the wastelands in reference to Fallout. A lot of people don't even realize that. Well, it's one wastelander to another. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Love if that. If you got the caps, if you got the caps, spend them. <laughs> I, have I actually no have clue. a um, I have a small uh, bin on top of my refrigerator in my office that is filled with guess what? Bottle caps. Correct. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you find yourself collecting bottle caps too? I n- currently no, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, it's That's like hilarious. in the game. 
when you become immersed into something like that, and this is very like becoming immersed into another reality like an in inception. When you get immersed in that, when you're throwing away bottle caps, it's, it just feels like you're throwing money away. And so I, I just started collecting them for, for no particular reason. And, and my wife is complaining. She's, why is there a jar of bottle caps? That's so funny. In the wardrobe, <laughs> hidden at the back, just for a rainy day, darling. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, she probably has no idea what you're doing there. No, not at all. Uh, it's like I, I like to allow myself to uh, do this sort of thing to um, let my um, – um, let my mind work, yeah, my you, imagination work. Right, and you need an outlet. Find, you need an outlet. It, yeah, I, I need an outlet, but I also need to keep it exercised. And this is not to say, of course, a cynic would say now, oh, so you're imagining everything in your book. No, I'm not. I do really hard re research exploration. I like to go to the horse's mouth. I will not believe anything unless I experience it myself. I will hold it in one hand as a possibility, an interesting possibility, but I cannot accept that um, as reality until I've actually experienced it myself, usually more than once. I was given, my friend, um, I had an experience um, many years ago, this is going back about 10, 12 years ago, I think, when a master materialized to me while I'm fully awake in my room, and no, this is a big patch, it was about, about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, a master materialized to me and gave me instruction. Now, I go into my room in, in the evening. At the time, I had a young family, three, four children, and um, my uh, wife at the time, this is 20, 25 years ago, um, used to always go to bed early. So about 9 p.m., I would go into the living room. There'd be a nice little fire there, and this was my world, and I would spend some time half the night meditate um, by the firelight. It's a beautiful thing to do, and I look forward to it. <clears throat> and one night, I went into this room, and the fire was going nicely, a little uh, tile fire there, and I was about to sit down, and I reached up to um, turn the, light, the, the overhead light off, and a voice spoke to me, <clears throat> and it said, a very clear voice, like somebody was standing next to me. I actually jumped and looked behind me because um, there was a man talking to me. He had a deep, rich, eloquent voice, and uh, he said, Robert, it's about time we have a long talk. And I go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I said to him, was, uh, yeah, it never quits. Yeah. And, um, and it starts talking to me. Now, I'm observing myself at the time. This is how my mind works. And I notice as the voice speaks, I've got like this seashell effect, like I was holding a big seashell over my ear. I've also got a, um, the, um, what's it, cartoid, uh, gland that's, you know, that gland under your ear that swells up when you get sick? Oh yeah. I mean, it's called the cartoid gland. Now that was vibrating, modulated with the voice, very, very noticeable. And I put my finger into that and could feel the, the vibration. It's like putting your finger on a big speaker and feeling the, the physical vibration that's becoming the sound. Now, the mastoid bone, that curved bone behind your ear, was also vibrating with the voice. It was coming from the gland to the bone and appearing in my ear. This is like a, a direct voice, um, very, very clear. I, I've actually done quite a lot of work on that. There's, If you're familiar with the Sony Bone Phone, there is a phone out there designed for noisy environments you can buy today. Called the Sony Bone Phone, 
And instead of putting it to your ear, you put it in the middle of your forehead and you press a metal plate in there and it the vibration of the phone goes through the bones directly into the ear. Oh. And you can hear exactly what the person on the phone is saying very clearly, even in a very noisy environment. So this is basically the principle of, uh, I would say, this type of voice manifestation, that it was causing the vibration. So it's not like just thoughts appear in my head. Um, it's uh, yeah, an actual physical voice. And um, it, it told me, he said, well, turn out the light, sit down, and we'll continue. So I did that, and I'm observing all the lights. But now the I'm allowed to release the um, uh, only part of what I was told here. I was asked to hold back something uh, till a later time. Um, but what it gave me is what I call the catch basket concept. And this is also can be called the way of the master. How does a master become a master? Do you think they go through schools and go through all these courses of initiation and some become master? No, they don't. And all masters throughout time always have to Oh, no, Robert, you are fading. Oh, is that better? Oh, there you are. Oh, now we hear you. Yeah, it must be Skype. <clears throat> the way of the master is to proceed through the steps of your own personal experience, which means if you have a belief or an idea, you need to try it. You need to road test it and see if it works. Now, what this does, apart from being very, very logical, scientific, common sense here, this also means that you are adjusting your belief system according to personal experience only. Because here's how it works. You must have heard that uh, it is said and truly said that you have access, all of us, to infinite knowledge, that all knowledge in the universe exists within us. Correct. But accessing that knowledge is tricky, to say the least. Now, this how you access knowledge. Uh, you need to purify your beliefs and your program. And you do this by through self-analysis, by going through the things that you believe and basing everything that you believe on personal experience only because your personal experience will never lie. At the moment, I'd have to say the average person in the world, probably 50% of their beliefs are false. I mean, this goes this goes back to the Easter Bunny and Father Christmas and things like that. It all starts so, with the television, Robert. That's when it begins. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this, people have all these beliefs inside of them. For just for example, that's, the, that's, about, the, that's where the pre-programming comes in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah for example, just look at uh, karma, reincarnation, and things uh, yeah. like that. As I said, if you don't stay in the question, if you consider it closed, our karma is a fact, you know. Uh, reincarnation, all these things are fact, they're closed cases, there's a book over there. But what if there's, there's a lot more to that? What, what if you're accepting these things without any personal experience? And that leaves you open to accepting, let's say, hundreds of things which are not true that you've been told to believe. Now, what this does, anything that comes, you could say, downloads into your mind, you could say, from the divine, this infinite knowledge that, you know, we have access to. It has to pass through your belief system filters. This is an, an analogy here. We Let's say the that your beliefs and your programming create square holes in your mind, and you have square filters here. Now, let's imagine all truth and infinite knowledge is formed of spheres, little footballs of knowledge and information. Now, when you try and force a round ball through a square hole, 
you are going to destroy it if you force it. It just won't come through. And if you do manage to force one through, it's going to be severely damaged. Now, the idea is to purify your belief systems inside of you so that all your beliefs are actual provable fact because they're based on personal experience, your personal experience. And everything which is probable, you end up holding in your left hand the probable list and the possible list. You divide it up into what's fact for you, personal experience-wise, what is probably true and what is possibly true. And you rearrange your belief filters in this way so that the opening in your mind becomes nice and round. And when you do that this way, little orbs of truth can smoothly download and appear in your mind. And how this works, it works along with anything that you are interested in. If you are interested in art, for example, you will get little downloads of artistic ideas and how to do this and how to do that. Whatever your obsession is at the time, you will get all these amazing ideas coming down. Focus on that. Now, if you're a computer programmer or say you're writing a new game, something like maybe Fallout 5, and that's your obsession. Yeah. It may be working with other people who have the same obsession. Now, you are going to be getting downloads of ideas specific to the game you're trying to break. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It, whether your field is politics or economics, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're a gardener or a cook, if you're a chef or a cook, for example, there, and you're creating new recipes, that's where you're going to get these ideas downloading about how to do this, how to make a better omelette, how to, you know, cook better zucchini. Yeah, you're not uh, wrong. You're not wrong about that. Uh, lots of times you are doing a, an empty-minded task, for for an example, and uh, all of a sudden you get the answer of something you were thinking about a couple of weeks ago or maybe even a few hours ago. Uh, you receive these downloads randomly. I, I kind of have gotten those things. It's the universe. The universe works in very strange ways, and if you don't see the signs, uh, you'll yeah. definitely miss what you were supposed to do. And it's completely non-linear. I mean, some of this information appears to be uh, pre precog. You know, you're, you're precogging something here. You're seeing something in the future, uh, little bits and pieces. It's like this is this quantum non-linear field where we're approaching things from different directions and different times. But I think you've got, you've got the essence of this. Now, if you look at what I've been presenting here now about the way of purifying the belief systems so that it's nice and true and everything is based on personal experience, this increases the aperture of um, your connection between the divine source of all knowledge and your mind, the aperture gets bigger and bigger and bigger, so you can get bigger ideas. And you end up, you know, you're developing creative genius here because the ideas can now flow through you. You've learned how to stay in the question and not, and to actually try and do something through, to put it into personal experience. Scientists do this. Inventors do this. You get an idea, you build it, you try it out and see if it works. And I think with the inventor of the light bulb, I think, tried 999 times to create a working light bulb and failed. And then Edison or one of his employees accidentally put one in a vacuum and they made it work. 
and then they that of course creating a light bulb but 999 times that man stayed in the question he would not give up he wouldn't say that's impossible we can't do that you stay in the question and you wait for ideas and you wait for luck and coincidences and things to happen which will help you to get something to work it's all related every every field in the world which uh, needs creativity and inspiration to work. If you are open to that, you can improve whatever it is you're doing, whether you're cooking, whether you're gardening, you know, you're finding new ways to do this, new ways to crossbreed that, and new ways to get fruit and, and make things happen. And whatever your interest is, wherever your passion lies, that's how your creative genius is going to flow. And the creative genius is, of course, this Font, there's infinite knowledge which is going to flow through you and this what i've been talking about the um uh cleansing of belief systems it would have to be my central message my main message to the world right and just for the listener's sake can we talk about some of the techniques some someone could use uh to prevent these um psychic attacks for instance, I'm well, sure meditation works um, probably better than a lot of things. Okay, well, the, the techniques. The <clears throat> one of the um, um, mainstays of, of being able to defend yourself um, mentally, whether you're being impinged upon by another living human being. Um, some people have very strong personalities and will tend to overcome lesser people around them. And the people around them that are weaker than them will then become subservient to the stronger mind. <coughs> and the, this, this is kind of how it works. And the similar thing with the uh, with with spirits as well. Not all spirits are good. Um, they're not. And um, mindfulness is essential. And the practice of mindfulness meditation, of course. Now, being mindful is to to quote. Socrates, the wisest words ever spoken was man know thyself. The wisest words ever spoken, literally. If you know yourself and you, you get thought incursions. Now, negative spirit entities, you, a good analogy here, they are like a computer virus. They come in and they start doing something innocuous, the thin end of the wedge and they slide in. They put down some roots here, there and there where they won't be noticed. And then at a certain point, they start acting very strongly upon the system. Now, in this way, negative entities usually do the same thing. A little incursion. They start putting down little roots in your energy body and your mind. There's people that like that, too, by the way, men and women, those uh, emotional vampires. Yep, yep, there are. No drain yeah. you. Now, any kind of attack is going to try and make you behave or make you think in different ways. As I said, it's common to get mental pollution. But if you are mindful, you can recognize it the moment it starts to happen and counter it before it has a chance to take root in you. So if you notice thoughts and that coming in, for example, if you start obsessing and worrying about money and things like that, and you don't normally do that. You're normally very positive, you know, um, manifesting a positive future, and you don't normally worry about things. But then you find yourself chewing your knuckles and worrying about money. I'm down to my last $20,000. What am I going to do? And 
it's, you know, which is not you. This is a weakness in you which is being exploited by another mind. Now, if you are mindful, you know, I don't normally worry about money, so where is this coming from? It's instantly quarantined, spotlights go on highlighting it, and you start, you work against it. You do not allow it in you. So when these sort of things happen, a good example here, I come under quite frequent um, negative attacks, demonic attacks and that because of what I do, helping people and exploring this field here. And I probably get an attack like this about once every six weeks or so. And my wife is used to me and um, we work together as a team. And the instant we notice it, you know, bad atmospheres, things moving through the house, changes in behavior, changes in my behavior, changes in my wife's behavior. When we notice, we are mindful of ourselves and of each other. So if my wife notices the change in my behavior, she brings it to my attention, which is helping with the mindfulness. And we think about it. And if we, that we then discuss it, we think, yeah, there's something going on here. We better get in, you know, do what we normally do. And what we do is um, I light a sensor and I burn frankincense incense, which is very, very good. A few others you can use too. But a sensor, you need to produce a lot of smoke. So I smoke the house out and I'm walking through the house and you can see the smoke hanging thick in the air. And I'm, in each room I do a pentagram banishment, which is a simple hand sign of the pentagram. And I say, I banish you in the name of tetragrammaton or something like that, which is a um, a powerful banishment and uh, my wife puts on spiritual music and she does prayers and she does banishments too and we are very carefully observe ourselves while this is going on and observing each other and sometimes mid-sentence saying something will stop because we're realizing where's that coming from and the end result here is by keeping the pressure up here um, usually within a few hours the atmosphere whatever this negative entity is, the pressure it's bringing onto us and the household here fades away. In rare cases, a much stronger one, we've had them last two days. Yeah, and that's that, about that must long be, last. Yeah, that must be a little uncomfortable. It is, but you, you get used to it. You don't like it, but it's something you have to deal with. And you and you never had the, the cops called on you when, you when you were smoking your house out. I mean, the neighbors no. must be like, what, what the hell's going on there? Well, the smoke is not as intense as oh, you would okay. get if it was a house fire. I mean, right. you can see the smoke in the rooms. Of, you know, I've got, we usually shut all the windows and doors because you want to keep the smoke in because frankincense has traditionally been used for thousands of years for uh, banishing negative atmospheres, and it's for cleansing atmospheres. The, the Catholic Church uses it extensively for the same reason, to cleanse atmosphere, and it's very effective. It's been used like, for many thousands of years. It's also a herb, uh, is a, a, cure, a healing herb as well. By, by the way, Robert, do you think maybe one of these entities have attached itself to you? It has done in the past. It, was it the same one? Does it keep coming back? Or are these was, various I was, entities? I was demonically possessed for several weeks. Jesus. Going back into my early 30s. Several weeks, and, Robert? Yeah. It's a long now, time. And, and I mean demonically possessed. The... And people say, oh, you must be a really bad person to attract that. What were you doing? Were you dabbling or something and playing with rituals? Yeah, well, well no. what's your karma, Robert? I need, I need to know now. I'm, I'm joking, by the way. It's okay. Now, but how I became possessed is I was giving healing to a five-year-old boy that had very strong symptoms of demonic possession. 
And this boy had, I mean, this is the boy who could barely speak two or three word sentences. He was uh, developmentally delayed and he had this terrible uh, speech impediment and that. And anyway, this boy was doing really weird stuff and a lot of phenomena around the boy. Mm. You know, the mother would go in there and find his books and toys all floating in the air and images moving around. It was full on. You could make a movie out of it, scary movie out of that. And um, the now I wasn't, I didn't know half the stuff I know now. I'd been working for many years as a healer, doing a lot of astral projection and healing and my belief system at the time was pretty much like everybody else's in the new age movement. And, um, but I was about to get a, a rude awakening literally here. Yeah. Now I was, um, with the mother present in the early evening. It was about 6.30, 7pm. It was dark. It had just got dark. And I, I spent an hour with this boy and I'm trying to remove this entity through healing, love and light and, you know, how the draw goes. I'm giving it healing, relying on my higher self, um, which works for you when you're healing. And um it's in exasperation. Now I could see clairvoyantly see this entity was a, a demon walking around the house and I could see the boy's eyes were following in it too. He firmly believed that this entity was his friend, his bestest friend of all time. Oh my God. He was completely obsessed with this thing. <laughs> And he could see it. He had a name for it, which I won't repeat. And um, he was completely in love with this being. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to remove it. And the mother's sitting there, you know, watching and playing and you know, trying to help. Now, at some point, the, these thoughts just appeared in my mind. And in my mind, I didn't say it aloud, but I said it in words in my mind. And I said, <clears throat> dear God, <clears throat> whatever, you know, I said, take me and leave the child. And it did instantly. It was a self. It had put the thoughts into my mind. And if you look at what I've done, I just gave it permission to possess me. You did. Yeah. P- permission is a very important issue. If you read my book, The Practical Psychic Self-Defense Handbook, or get my uh, new video-based program, Defense Against Dark Arts, I explained permission in there. And uh, I gave it permission, and I was paralyzed and tortured on the spot. And went on for like 15 minutes. Nobody knew what was happening. It was all internal. I'm just motionless. But inside, I'm screaming. I'm being tortured. Um, and then I collapsed to the floor, you know, um, arrived around the floor a little bit and uh, got up and I, I felt okay. It was a terrible thing to live through, but I've been through worse in my life. And um, so I thought it was over, but I was a bit worried. I felt a bit odd after this. And a few days later, I'm uh, sitting at a, a uh, standing at a counter with a friend of mine who was visiting there. And I, I think I had a can of beer or something on the table, Coca-Cola or something like that. And my right hand reached out, grabbed the can, a fluid motion, and threw it against the wall. Made a big mess. And I'm like, wow, grab my hand. That wasn't me. I mean, why would I mess up my own house? Now I've got to clean it up. Right. That's a complex movement. That's not a reflex action. I didn't knock it off the counter with, with like a twitch in my arm. I actually picked it up and threw it against the wall in a, in a half second, a complex movement. That was the first sign. And then uh, a day, I think it's a day later, I'm in the kitchen and my beloved Labrador blue boy is laying there happily sleeping. And as I walked by, my right foot leapt out and kicked him. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
poor blue boy, and hurt him too. How dare and, you? Uh, wow, that wasn't me. Well, I know. <laughs> Something had used my foot. And uh, a few days later, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was standing in the nursery with our babies, giggling and drooling with a low workout shocker. Oh, my God. Where, where was your wife? She was asleep in bed. Was she not freaked out by you, Robert? I, I would have called the police. Yeah. My wife at the time was very, very worried. This strange stuff going on. Now, I caught myself in time before anything bad happened. So the next day, hours later, got anything dangerous out of the house. Man, that's wild. The, ne- the next day, I was back in there with an axe. Same thing happened. I woke up giggling and drooling in the nursery. And again, then we got rid of all the sharp things, axes and stuff. I was emptying my shed out. Oh, I mean, my. Tools and things like that. And that culminated two days later. We had a few events like that, and I was getting worried. I didn't know what to do. Now, at the time, I went to several <coughs> uh, New Age Sense spiritual centers here, seeing various healers and teachers and that. Now, every single one of them, that once they realized I, had, I actually had a real problem, they asked me to leave, stop returning my call, no help. So once people like realize there's something really happening, they usually, all the ones that I found anyway, don't worry about it. Uh, because of the attitude today is that this comes from the work of Alan Kardec. I'll tell you about that. It goes back to 1870. Um, where channel spirits were saying the, um, that possession cannot happen. And, you know, a spirit will only attach to a person if there's something in that person like what is in the spirit, so that the person is actually attracting the spirit and allowing the, you know, the spirit to come close to them, which is why today they blame the victim of, you know, Oh, Robert, I'm losing you again. Because of this book. And there you are. Yes, Sorry. Sir. I've had some issues with this microphone lately um anyway the uh, this culminated in an at- another attack when i was on a rooftop car park and i was completely taken over like a puppet this time and i almost threw my uh, 18 month old baby son james off the roof and dived after him good lord robert now that was the end of it for me because uh I, that day, I refused to drive after then, and I, when I got home, I moved into my mother's old house, which was empty at the time. And um, I basically, you know, because I didn't want to hurt anybody, and I, I didn't have many options. One was to go and see a doctor and get whacked up in a lot of thorazine and had myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one was to kill myself, and I, which was quite attractive. Oh, at you the don't time. want to do that. If I killed myself, I haven't hurt anybody because I didn't want to hurt anybody. Um, you know, still, that's not top of my list. But the third thing I could do was to actually do the things that I believed in, to actually walk the talk in a big way. And what I needed to do was to connect with my higher self. Right now, I needed to connect and have some information. Right. Because all the things that happened in my life at the time and all the things I'd done um, – I figured that, you know, my higher self, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't mind, um, would have a vested interest in, you know, helping me because of all the things that I could do in the future <clears throat> in this world. And um, so I decided to um, – um, I'm walking around trying to connect. Now, I had a very short time. <clears throat> I could spend years or decades over this. <clears throat> I, mean, I needed to do it now or I was going to die. 
And so I'm walking around the, the house on my own and I'm like trying to connect and I'm going a bit loopy at the time. And ideas, I didn't know if this was information or my own imagination at the time. And so I'm trying to get some quiet information here. And I said, I don't know. I said, oh, we'll go out into the store to get a message. Because I, now I, I promised myself out loud, I said, whatever comes into my head, I will do it. I promise I'll do it. And I cleared my mind and tried to hop it clear, which I could do for a considerable time, until this crazy idea came to head. But I was committed to it. Now, it was about this time of year, there was a big storm outside, lightning, heavy rain, and not the thing I've chosen to do, go outside and get a big thunderstorm. But I walked out of my mother's house, which was opposite a, a forest area, into the forest. Now, all the lights were down. You could see my Oh, Robert, I'm losing you once again. Okay. There were four, four lightning strikes happening. Right. And, um, and cut long story short, I got hypothermia very quickly because of the, the rain and the wind. And I, um, um, started jogging to, um, you know, try and warm up a bit. And I ran headfirst into a tree, rolled down an embankment into a ditch of muddy water. And when I clambered up out of the ditch, soaking wet, resorty wet, um, in a big fork lightning display, I looked down at myself, and apart from being muddy, I had a big piece of newspaper stuck to my leg. And I thought to myself, ah, the message. I'm going quite loopy here. And so I'm, I went back to my home, and in, inside my mind, I'm thinking maybe I made this up just to get me in, because I was freezing hot. And uh, back in the house, I was chair, and out this up. And now I really lost you. Okay. And uh, now you're kind of back. Yeah, things have been uh, cutting in and out. Is that better? No, you're still a little under the water there. Oh, how's that? Oh, much better. Okay, I'll just turn the gain up. Maybe that will help. I... Yeah, sound, you sound good now. Okay, right. It's a condenser mic. I've got a mixer on that. Um, anyway, the um, to cut long story short, um, the, the message told me, it says, come to Jarida which is the name of a town about 60 miles inland here in, in the wilderness, and uh, come to Jarrodale, nestled in the hills, potted plants from 195. Those were the words. Uh, that was all I could make out on there, but I knew this area was wild, so uh, I promised that I would follow whatever was in the message. So the next morning I packed up a swag, you know, a brown sheet and blankets and stuff, no food because I was planning to fast. And uh, I got my very, very, very worried wife. By well, this time, she was really, really worried. Oh, yes. And I, don't her. And, uh, I got her to drive me out there to Jarrodale. And we drove there. And she was driving. And I'm looking. Now, I'm, I'm acting as if I knew what I was doing because I didn't want her calling the police on me and getting me locked up or something. And uh, so we're driving through the hills there. Now, I have no idea where it was going, but I knew I'm in Jarrodale. And it just felt right. We're driving down the highway. And on both sides, there were these huge hills, um, several hundred you know, feet high, each one of them, um, in the background, you know, a couple of miles from the road. And uh, I'm looking around here and that, and we went for a while. You know, we drove for like another half an hour or so. And she wanted to know, where are you going? I said, I'll tell you when we get there. I don't know. And I'll look to the side, and right on top of one of these uh, a hill, there was a big multiple flash of light. Like somebody was signaling to me. And very, very noticeable. I said, stop the car. We're here. 
because I've marked that. I have nowhere to go, no idea where I'm going, so I'm looking for signs and omens here. I don't know. But I know if I don't do this, this is like at least an attempt to save myself. I'm, de- I'm dead. You know, this thing is going to kill me. Um, demonic possession is like the worst malady you can get. It's like getting uh, some terrible disease that, you know, has no cure for it. So, a couple of hours later, this is really hot today. The storm ended in April, but it was about a, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit at the time, probably higher. And I made my way to the top, and I'm carrying out of a pound in the air. I've got a, a big bag of books and paper and stuff, and about uh, 40 litres of water. And I'm lugging this stuff up a, a hill, really steep hill. And I was almost having a heart attack by the time I got to the top and collapsed. And, uh, and I looked around the top after I got my breath back, and that's when I found the sacred Coca-Cola can. Because there was a, literally an empty can of Coca-Cola sitting on a little depression on top of a rock about head high, and it was moving in the breeze, and that was what made the big flashy thing for attention. So, but these signs and omens actually, um, were what got me there. I was in the right place. Everything was going according to plan. This is exactly where I needed to be. That's if true. I'm ever, if I'm ever to hope to find um, any help and healing for, the, for this terrible malady. And I spent two days on the on that hilltop, uh, and at night time I'm doing things. I don't know whether the, a UFO is going to come down and save me or whatever. I'm doing all kinds of weird things. Nothing's working. Now, the, the next day I made a, a big mistake. And what I did, I had two big uh, canvas water bags, which were hanging in a tree, and I took them out of the tree, and I put them down on the dry porous rock, and it's very hot and dry. And when I got up in the morning, I could get them because the rock had leached them out as much as I Oh, Robert, we're losing you again. The listeners are telling me here. Uh, is it back? I don't know why. You sound better now. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I'm turning the gain up a little bit, too. Is that- yeah, crank it up a little bit there. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yes. Tech issues always plague us here on the on the air. It happens. Yeah. Well, negative entities will mess with electronics and electrical equipment all the time because Much they are better. electromagnetic beings. You sound great now. Oh right, I turned the other guy up too. I may have been turning up the wrong one. Oh. Well, that happens yeah. too. I'm not perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, the um, entities were messed with electronics and, and electrical stuff really bad. The, the, I've proven by my work that they have a, an, a, a spirit entity has an electromagnetic component to it. You might be and right what, about that, Robert. I'm sorry to cut you off, but yes, you might be absolutely correct on that. Um, lately, there's been all sorts of technical glitches on my computer, so I I, yeah. I'm, I tend to believe you. The only thing I've found that is uh, neg-proof is the cloud. I think they can mess with stuff if you've got it in the hard drives, floppy disks, anything like that, any kind of media in your room, they will mess with that and they can damage it because they have an electromagnetic component. And these are the entities that live in this field of energy over the surface of the Earth and the stratosphere. They obviously have an electromagnetic component because of what they do. You know, the evidence is there all the damaged equipment left, right, and center. I once had a, a big attack at my house many years ago where I had a, a brand-new 17-inch uh, CRT monitor, Philips CRT monitor. It only had it like one week, 
and an entity put its head into the screen and burned the shape of its head. You know, if you put a magnet to a CRT monitor, yeah, you you put this heavy green smear on it. Right. Well, I had the shape of a head. It was like the shape of a, you know, probably a ten-year-old head um, going through the screen. It just fitted, and it you could see the neck and the chin and the ears, and it even had two little horns. At did the you? Top of its head did you get a photo of that? No, I didn't. Oh. I think my son may have taken a photograph while asking. Yeah, that would have been but a great photo to see. It's a perfect outline of a head. And I had to degauss the screen several times to, to be able to use the computer again. Um, so that and hundreds of other things there. The, uh, I actually um, um, ritually executed a printer once with my two sons. My two sons were in high school at the time. They agreed with me. And we took it out of the bush. We had a little ritual, and then I pulled out the 12-gauge, and we shot it to death. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I only ever used my shotgun for, you know, clay pigeons and things like that. But uh, uh, anyway, it was, uh, you know, because this, things like that will just break down at the most annoying, crucial times, and uh, it's almost like... Yeah, the, like right before doing the show. Yeah. It's like entities pick the time when your stuff's going to break down. Just to cause a maximum inconvenience. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. It when I was happens. writing uh, my, my books, I used to have to keep multiple backups, including um, I used to have a bunch of floppy disks as well as hard drives and that for backups. Uh, you know, writers get paranoid about that sort of thing. And I used to keep a floppy disk with a weekly backup in my two sisters' underwear drawers. <laughs> and in the underwear drawer. It's a it's safe place. Taken. It is. And uh, on two occasions over the years, I've had to go and get those backups back and use them because they were the only viable backups. I lose a week's work, but at least I've got the main manuscript. You know, Robert, I can't even believe we were using floppy disks at one time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when I first started out, we were using a, with a five-and-a-half-inch Five and mm-hmm. a quarter discs, floppy discs. They were really floppy. They really were. My goodness, the uh, technology has just increased uh, tremendously yeah. over the years. Amazing. My first computer was a twin floppy drive XT with no hard drive, and we thought it was a bee's knees. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the early ones there. Yeah, yeah, very very early. Yeah, yeah museum piece now. So certainly. Anyway, cut a long story. This. This led to a, this led, and this all makes sense when you look at it. This led me to a point, now I'm up on the hill there, like literally on the brink of dying of thirst. I had no water. It was very, very hot and dry, particularly with the reflected heat off the rock up there. And, uh, I knew I'm, if I, if I sat in the shade all day, I'd probably live through the day, but I would not live through the next morning. Not in that sort of heat. Uh, I would die. I mean, people over here every year, we get half a dozen people get killed by heat. Um, and you can die in as little as five hours. Yeah. If, if you try and walk around in the heat, it's like death valley heat. Um, if you walk around in the heat, you will die in a few hours because the sun will just suck the moisture out of you and you kill you. Anyway, the, um, that was a time then where I crossed a, literally a big red line there because I could go back a couple of miles down the hill to the road and get water and come back. But I made a decision and said, no, I'm not taking this thing back to civilization so it can hurt people. Um, again, because I knew, because I'm losing control. 
of myself. And uh, so I made a decision. I said, no, I'm going to stay here and either get rid of this or go one or the other. And that was like a magical moment because I'm talking to myself here and you cannot lie to yourself. I absolutely meant this. Like, you know, I will sacrifice myself so I won't take this back where it can hurt my family. And uh, right then is you get this sort of music happen that wasn't really there. But right. the, whole atmosphere, the atmosphere changed. The whole atmosphere changed around me. And uh, I then, you know, I've got a really good sense of humor. I'm quite philosophical. So I, I was hoping in the back of my mind that death by dehydration wasn't too painful. Nobody, nobody liked pain. So I sat under a tree, uh, an old dead tree, looking out over the next valley. And uh, I'm looking at this huge valley full of drab brown olive greens and black, you know, the Australians and rock. Pretty dry now. There's almost no in this country. Not like in uh, North America, but it's streams and ponds and lakes everywhere. There's like nothing here in the part of Australia I was in, which was, uh, it's like Roman's not the California desert. In um, and I'm laying there and I sort of stick up against this tree to get out of the sun and burn. And, uh, you know, and I smoke pipe at the time. So I'm having pipe. I'm looking out at this completely cloudless blue sky. And I'm remembering back a year earlier when I first raised my Lindy Birds and probably partly caused it as well because raising fundamental moves was natural so I could shield me. So it literally opens you up all your natural defenses are gone. Not a good idea unless you know how to go for yourself. And uh, I'm thinking when I when I raised my Lindy it was examined by three masters that had big outlook experience with so I'm thinking of these uh, uh, fantastic masters. Oh, Robert, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but you are cutting in and out once again. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you were sounding so good a minute ago. Yeah, it must be something on Skype. I think it's, uh, yeah, that's working. Yeah, now you sound fine again. It must be a Skype-related issue, I don't know. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. I'll try one thing. I'll just close these two browsers I have. Yeah, that might help. Oh, Got to try something. Yep. Anyway, I looked up in this cloudless sky, being all kind of philosophical and a bit of graveyard humor here. Um, and I yelled out top of my lungs. I said, hey, big guys, I could really, really use some help down here about now. And I laughed, you know, not expecting anything. But the damnedest thing happened once I spoke those words there. A little cloud formed above me, probably a mile up, but didn't look that far away. But it about the size of your thumb, and it rapidly grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And it got to an appreciable size. I couldn't measure it. But from where I'm looking, it looked about, you know, twice the size of a normal person. And um, it shaped the cloud, shaped itself into a perfect sculpture of a big turban and a head with the outline of the nose and the eyes and that, and it was three-dimensional, and uh, the shoulders of a perfect sculpture of one of the masters that had uh, examined me a year earlier, had this massive turban on like a beanbag. And uh, the arms formed in the shape of a, a bow, it had a bow and arrow, with a drawn bow and arrow, what I meant to say. Is and even the arrow is a perfect cloud arrow with the feathers and the shaft and the triangle and a bit at the end of the arrowhead. And holding so I've got a head 
and like a man from the waist up with a drawn bow and arrow, and I'm looking up at this divine message given to me, and I'm clueless, and I go, what? I don't get it. What? I mean, this is supposed to be helpful. And then a voice appeared in my and it wasn't like the other ones I had the vibration. Oh, Robert, we just lost you again. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this could be some kind of interference. Maybe. Yeah, it happens. But the thing is, we are coming to a close uh, with, with the interview, actually. I'm looking at the time here. I definitely did not want to take up too much of your time here, Robert. But I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. And I, I want to leave you, of course, with, with some more uh, final words before you part here. Okay, well, just to um, bring that story to an end for your listeners, very in, in 10 seconds there, the arrow was pointing to water in the valley down below me. And by following that direction, there I actually found the water. And that led me to an area where I was sleeping on top of an underground stream um, for a few days, which is what released me, again, running water, uh, which actually drove the spirit out of me, and I was fine. But apart from that, if you want to know more about this and the full story in great detail, um, we'll be launching a new website next week. Yeah, the new uh, website. AstralDynamics.com. And we'll be launching a new program, a video-based program called Defense Against Dark Arts with this story and lots of others and plus all my techniques and everything and how to do it is all in uh, a video program for you. We're also launching, lastly, mustn't forget this, a, there's a free program on energy work we'll be releasing as well. Again, video-based program, a free energy work tutorial at astraldynamics.com. Very nice. And I do want to thank you again uh, for being here on very short notice. I'm going to have to bring you back onto the program yet again. Our, our talks are always fascinating, Robert. Yeah, most welcome. Nice being here. Oh, yes. So, Robert... I, I hope you do enjoy the rest of your day out there. I will do. Uh, and short notice is usually fine. Nine times out of ten, you'll find me at my desk ah, doing perfect. nothing. Ah, perfect. <clears throat> well, again, I'm glad you joined us here, and I'll bring you back in uh, very shortly again. Sure. All right, Robert. <clears throat> Good night. Good night, buddy. Take Ciao. care. And there goes Robert Bruce. Now, looking at the time here, it is that glorious time. To go on a little bathroom break, gonna play some music, and when I return, the lines are open. Don't be afraid to call in. It's the best time. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I just want to say thank you to the end of days, but next time let's let's talk about Miss Oakland a little more. And welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here with me. Still, I hope you enjoyed the music. As always, I get lost in the music while doing this program. Love the music. For those who are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to all of you out there. My name is Michael, and I am the host and producer of this very unique show. Now is your opportunity to call in. Please feel free to call in whenever your heart desires. I'm always willing to talk to you. Yes, you sitting there on your computer, on your mobile device, whatever the case may be, please feel free to call in now. That number is 760 8724. Let's hear those sweet little voices. 760-332-8724. Or on Skype, end of days, Mike, letter Y and Mike, not the letter I. And of course, yes, all together, end of days, Mike. Tonight I promise to put on a good show with a happy ending. 
I hope I keep that promise. Now, I've got some emails here to go over. And, of course, hopefully a call or two. I was expecting a call from someone who left me a comment just recently here. Kind of strange. Let me read that comment. This, of course, came from author Heather W. I don't know who that is. Heather at ArtBellLegacy.com. The comment reads, I'm going to kick your ass in the ratings, Michael. I have Lasha. Well, interesting. Very interesting. Well, that's good. Really good. Thanks for that comment. Now, of course, I've got some emails here. Should probably answer before I forget. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at you, Yuck Nasty, there. Would you want to call in here? You're more than welcome to do so. Everyone's welcome to do so. But yes, I've got some things to talk about here before I answer any questions. Someone asked me about Sarah Huckabee recently. That's Sarah Huckabee Sanders. My goodness. I feel terrible any time I watch her. That can't be a happy woman. What a miserable gig that is. I do give her some respect and some credit, however. She hasn't quit or had a meltdown. Like someone else. By the way, you should have seen my expression when I found out that she was married. Holy shit. I didn't know she was married. She's, uh, got a great personality. I could totally see why, um, that, that nice gentleman married her. Totally. I believe I saw a photo of her and her husband together. It looked like it was a few years old. He looked happy. Really happy. It's a pretty funny picture, however. Upon further inspection, he appears to have uh, urinated on himself. You know, I don't blame him. I would have the same sort of reaction every time I was around her. 24-7. 365. You, you get the point. Lovable personality. I, I bet. By the way, someone is calling in. Let's take their call. Yeah, here we are. Caller, you are on the air. What's going on? Caller, are you there? <laughs> oh, oh, lots of laughter. Lots of random laughter there. Well, I often like to joke around about people giving me a hard time. Oh, is, is that Heather? Through the wormhole, and I usually never read those messages to you. The wormhole. <laughs> Holy shit. It's a lot of laughter. Uh, sometimes it's pretty scathing. Uh, but here's one that I am going to read on the air. Uh, it comes from Royal in Connecticut, who for some reason has a big problem with me these days. I don't understand what I've done. What did you do? You're going to have to actually have to work again soon, Heather. Imagine that. Actually work. He's got actually work here in all caps. Working, doing what? Working, doing what? <laughs> As if I can't read it. You made dumb moves because you're lazy and you're needy. Lazy and needy. Lazy and needy. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the best call I've gotten. Really, man? Really? Really? What exactly are you trying to do by sending me this message? Oh, I don't know. And you're going to talk to me about work? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm on the air four hours a night, five nights a week, and so, you're talking to me about work. It's a long time. It's a long time. What, so you're, what you're trying to say is that I am too stupid to run this program? No, I didn't say that. And that I haven't done good enough for you 
and that I'm going to have to work. Let me tell you something, Mr. Royal in Connecticut. Ooh, ooh, feisty. I have worked with these two hands to get everything I have ever gotten in life. No, I, I don't even know. I, what that I don't means. even know what that means. <laughs> 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 Nobody ever gave me anything, including Art Bell. So I don't want to hear it. And you know what? Why don't you pick up the phone and call me? You can call on the special line, and we'll talk it out, because you can type something scathing that's going to hurt someone. Oh, my God, Heather. I would never do such a thing. Sure, but are you brave enough to pick up the phone and call, and we'll hash it out? Sure, but are you brave enough to pick up the phone and call, and we'll hash it out right here on the air? But don't talk to me about work. What kind of work are you in? Okay. I've been chopping wood since I was five years old. Chopping wood? Is that what they call it? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even tell me about work. I have rebuilt vehicles. I have, I have earned everything I've gotten. So I don't know exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah, I believe you. I'm, I'm sure you've earned everything. And if I'm not good enough, then I'm not good enough. Turn the show off then. That's fine with me. I would never do that, Heather. You know that. But I don't need that kind of crap. You need that kind of crap? I know. Wanted to address it because I never do. I just sort of look at those messages and uh, and move on. But you know what? It kind of felt good to address one of those messages for once. Uh, so there, it's that's, done. Uh, yeah, it that's was good. Just to my attention, just like over the break. That Is that it? What happened? Apparently, D.B. Stearns, uh, Doug Stearns, my friend, over in Texas, is on Facebook telling everybody that we canceled him. Really? Uh, that we cancel him. No, that is incorrect. That is absolutely incorrect. And, and, and nobody has called me. Nobody has called me. Producer didn't call me. Doug Stearns didn't call me. But everybody's out there now uh, talking about how bad I am. I, I don't want to think you're bad. You're, you're very good, Heather. We all think so. Because he didn't come on the show. You know what happened is I looked at the notes and I thought, wow, are we going to talk about all the same things? And so I asked my producer to ask Doug Stearns, are we going to talk about all the same things? And the answer was, well, maybe I should just cancel then. That's a lot of audio recorded there. And I asked my producer, well, he's just going to give up. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to give up on the show. I do want to do a show with Doug. I hope we don't get a, we don't have a lawsuit on our hands here. He's fat, and he's fatter than anybody else, and so that's why I like to call him fat. Oh, that's not nice talking about Keith Rowland like that. <laughs> and I like to use that as derogatory as possible because he ought to be sharing his food with his kitties. Rowland has to share his food with his kitties. I think it's pretty clear that he's got enough to eat. His oh. head is so fat. I don't... His head is very fat. That's very true. And I believe uh, Yuck Nasty is uh, joining me here on the line. Is that you, Yuck? Hell yeah, baby. Yuck, I don't know what's going on. We have Heather Wade on the other line. Uh, what's going on, Heather? This is this is outrageous. 
You talking about her cats got their heads off? What's going on now? I came in mid-conversation. Someone was puking. I have no idea. Heather just came in here and just uh, terrorized the program. About time someone terrorizes this fucking program. That's true. Hold those glasses on. In fact, when he's wearing his glasses, you can see that uh, they're almost pushed off his head because it's so fat. It's not very nice. It's not very nice. Fat boy is what I like to call him. Fat boy. And who cares about his feelings? He certainly doesn't care about his 24 million kitties. Yeah, fuck fat guys when they have 24 fucking million kitties. Even if they had 24 mil, or even 24 kitties and they were fat, fuck them, right? <laughs> that laugh is pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that laugh makes my dick crawl back inside my dick. <laughs> my goodness, Heather. Well, Heather, I do want to thank you for uh, calling in here. And uh, there goes Heather Wade. Oh, that was kind of scary. My bad. I thought I thought it was all um, sound clips that someone was playing. That was really someone on the phone. No, that those were recordings. Oh, okay. But it was, uh, it, it was like the real thing. Is Heather Wade dead in real life? No, I think she's still out there. Oh, okay. She's in Pahrump, Nevada. Hey, shout out to people in Nevada. I know. There's nothing out there but meth. <laughs> I know, right? Well, yeah, I know all about that sort of thing. It's kind of what hey. I was. It was actually something I was going to talk about here in a moment. Um, yuck, since you know I live in a border town, and I've been asked a few times this week why I don't really talk often about uh, the cartels and what goes on around uh, near this town I'm in. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good fucking conversation right there. Well, yuck, truth about is. local news. Yeah, man, there's all sorts of crazy shit that goes on. Um, and, and truth is, there are people who move product back and forth. There was even a time when kids from a local high school actually stole from a drop-off spot. I certainly don't recall the details. I just know I knew a guy who was friends with another group of kids who were involved, and uh, life was good for, for them for a short time. However, yeah. however, I had heard a story of someone actually losing their life over this, and it wasn't even someone who had anything to do with it. And it wasn't Billy Jack Haynes or Billy Jack Hayes no, or what the fuck's no. name is? <laughs> no. No. You know, there, there's a reason why I don't talk about these things. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, man. I had to make a joke. No, it's okay. I just needed to answer that. No, man. It's, it's probably good, man. When it's coming to local shit and you don't want too many people knowing where you are local or where you, you know, where you get local no, when well, you're local. Well, people know where I live. I always say I'm in El Centro. It's no secret. I know. Hell yeah, man. I've known you for what now? Seven years? You've known me for a long time. I know, right? That was I trip out. I, I always trip out. I'm like, god damn, I've known him for a while. Yeah, dude, I'm turning fucking 39 on Wednesday, man. 39 years young. Yeah, dude. I, of course, man. But I'm saying when I first started podcasting, like, like when it was called podcasting and doing like getting the corner, like when you, when we first met, that was 2012. I was like 32. Yeah, it was 2012, I believe. Yeah. That's, that's a while. And and by the way, I, earlier I was talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I was saying how she can't be a happy woman. What what a miserable gig that is. And and I do have. That's the fucking monster that 
I have I have respect for her because she hasn't quit or had a meltdown like a like Sean Spicer. But she looks like grimace, right? Well, she looks like a stroke victim, <laughs> or someone with Bell's palsy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she looks like a little bit of a stroke victim there. That's Sarah Huckabee. Oh, okay. Poor woman. And again, she's she's married. That that's a that's a brave individual who married her. Man, I that's got courageous. Here. That's courageous. We've seen, we've seen, dude, guys will marry anything. He took one for the team. <laughs> that lovable personality, I mean, who can deny that? Hey, man, she must be getting some money. He's probably just like on. <laughs> he's got it made, right? Yeah, like he's probably just like, fuck it. That bastard. She's that married bastard. to someone? Yeah, she, she's, she's has a, she has a husband. This is a Max Paul. No, nah, it's not Max. Oh, okay. But I could see him going out with her. <laughs> she has a lot of skin. In the She's game. got a lot of skin in the game. She's got a lot. When I mean a lot, I mean a lot. Know, there's a lot. Skin. There's a lot in there. There's a lot underneath. And there's there's a lot packed in there, concealed. If you know what I mean. Fuck yeah, man. You know it. <laughs> you know it, my friend. <laughs> oh yeah. Hell yeah. That, that goddamn Sarah Huckabee. That's that's not an easy target to take down, my friend. Imagine, imagine, let, let me put you, let, let me break this down for you. Go ahead. Put this into your proper context. Uh, imagine going to a bar, a bar that you frequent, my friend, and you see a pretty girl and, and you want to go out with her. You want to, you know, you want to take things and see where they lead you on this faithful night. Then you quickly realize she's got a friend there. And what do you have to do? What, what, what can you do if that woman was Sarah Huckabee? I mean, how how can you even get past that? That that is a stone wall all all in itself. That is the conundrum. You know, I live in Wisconsin, so um, you know, I'm not out here at Panda Express with Max Pole and Cinco de Mayo and all these fucking bitches are out here. You know, he just got to pull his dick out. Well, what's the scene like over there, anyways? Fifteen year old fucking good looking it, slut. It's like Maybe, a par- it's a party it, town. What's going on there? Five. What now? Is that like a party town? What here where I live? Yeah, like in the in the city there. Do you, is it like a Fuck no, campus man. place? Is it a? Well, I don't know. I don't know where oh, at. Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, it's not at all a party town. But no, it is a party town. But it's not like, dude. It's weird. It's um, we are like a big city, small town. We're a small town into a big city. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I, I get you. Up here in Green Bay, the more you go south, like Madison, you'll find like like even Appleton, which is only 30 minutes away. Obviously, obviously Milwaukee's not that far. You'll find different um, clubs, cultures, everything that way. But I don't fucking know, man. When you talk about Huckabee, yeah, you don't like her, right? Do you like? Do I like her? Yeah. Not not at all. Okay. I mean, I have to look at her. That's not very pleasing to me. I'm just saying there's more hucklebees up here. Oh, the, boy. The north you go in Wisconsin. The, the, there's uh, a lot of stock there, huh? And the bigger the girls are. Oh, my goodness. That's why every time I talk to Max Paul, I'm just like, yeah, dude. He'd be popular there. <laughs> All these big girls are me. Well, you know. Where is Max? He said he was going to call in. He's probably driving around looking for a Sarah Huckabee. You look like the Wookiee mama. You got some skin in the game. I can, I can get you on my podcast. Get in the car. I, you think he's ever done that? 
Oh, no. He's trying to persuade a woman like that? Like, he's like, hey, I have a show. Of course. I don't think that way. That's why we can make fun of him. He's just, he's just riding in his car. You know, on the highway, everybody's like it, it clogged up in traffic. And like this big girl on a moped. Big girl on a moped. <laughs> just coming between the lanes. Have you actually uh, seen a big a big heavyset woman on a moped? I don't know. I'm just thinking about I have. Some, have you? Oh, yeah. Were they trafficking um, cocaine? No, unfortunately, they weren't. They were just, I don't even think they were from uh, El Centro, though. I think they were just traveling through. Couldn't really read the license plate. There you go. <laughs> but, yes. Um, I was going to ask why, but I don't know. They, well, you figured it out. Yeah, I know. I do. I do sometimes. And uh, another thing I must mention out here in El Centro, we, we have a lot of uh, women who look like Amy Schumer out here, too. Mm. So now you guys know why, where, um, where that generates from, that vileness I have towards her. Because I have to see a bunch of women who look like that around here, too. Like that face never goes away. Just like stalking me, looming over me. Never yep. ends. It just never ends. I'm not sure why the whole Amy Schumer complex just comes out of nowhere, especially out here. Yeah, we don't have, we don't, let, let me be honest with you, Yuck. We don't have that many Caucasian people here, and the ones that we do tend to look like that sometimes. God damn, man. You're stuck in Wisconsin. Kinda. Kinda damn, like that. Dude. I mean, the, the other girls who don't have that, that complexity, uh, they tend to get out of here. They just go up a little uh, nor- northerner. Sure. Well, well everyone, well, everyone kind of knows, uh, the better looking women go somewhere closer to the ocean. Yeah. It's everyone cool. knows that. Where Max Pole is located at. Right. So you, you know how that goes. Hell yeah. I feel bad though. Now, now, now we're being negative. Now we're, we're fat shaming. I know, I know. Amy I know. Schumer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I mean, this is terrible. I know, I know. This is not good radio. I'll, I'll hang up on my life right now. This is awful. Let's, one, two, three, let's just hang up on our lives. I really, I really have to. This is, this has just been negative the entire time. But then again, Don't... then again, the second half, that's kind of what the intention is for. Uh, to go off and pontificate certain things and get them off your chest. Silence from yuck. No, I'm right here, man. I still have like I'm still trying to scrub six nine off my chest. I uh, I wrote it on Sharpie and I went on like Chat Alternative and Chat Roulette and I had a, a rainbow wig and I was pretending I was Takashi six 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 nine. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, man. Are you was- being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. What what on earth? My woman even drew a penis in between the 69. <laughs> oh my god. Where did this come from? Who who put this idea in your head that you should mark yourself up and go on a, a live stream like that? Uh, it was me. Did you take something before that? Um, no. You just did this sober. Well, no, man. You know I got my vices. Well, but taking something, uh, yeah, man, I, I like the beer. <laughs> took a little, took a little Xanax, drank a little beer. Is that what you were doing? No, I never pop pills. Don't ever fuck with chemicals, children. Yeah, don't, don't do that. You know, I, I had my fun with uh, Xanax before. I, I won't lie to anyone. It's not like I became an addict or anything like that, but I definitely uh, yeah. used them a time or two. 
Yeah, fuck, fuck all them chemicals, man. Fuck all that. I'm shit. telling you, the very first time I took it, I was, I was in high school. I mean, that, during class, not not good. Kids out there don't do that. I took mushrooms and LSD and went to class. In Jesus high Christ, are you serious? Fuck yeah, I'm serious. I never understood anyone who ever did that in high school. They yeah. came in just completely gone on shrooms or on acid. I knew plenty of people who did. And I just, I'm, I'm thinking now, like, wow. Okay, okay. How, I wasn't you... one of those guys, <laughs> I wasn't one of those guys that took him and just walked and looked at his feet like, hey, hey, man, I'm in high school. Fuck no, man. I was always one of those loud fuckers, especially like, um, goddamn LSD and mushrooms. They give you the giggles like a motherfucker, right? Yes. That is no. affirmative, yeah. Okay. So I would just go to class and just be like, yeah, oh. <laughs> it'd be my normal loud self. And um, I don't know, I would just get away with it. It was fun. That's what I'm worried about. How how could you get away with it? I mean, I got in trouble. I got threatened to be sent to the principal's office. And when they when when the teacher told me, um, do you want to go speak to the assistant principal? I believe that's what they told me. And I said, sure. They love me there. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my my response, and of course she just looked at me, uh, terrified. Oh, dude! Uh, by the time that I was able to motherfucking do shit like that, it was it was my senior year. You know what I mean? I knew I knew what classes. Yeah, it was, was my senior year too, and my mom I, saw the uh, referral in the mail. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I she, knew all the principals. They knew me. She's like, they, she's like, Michael. Why does it say you look spaced out? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I wonder. I wonder, Mom. Oh, I wonder. I should have been like, you ever heard of a football? <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't have been good. See, I was totally different than you then, because I've always been this energetic fucking dumbass. Yeah, and, so you, you could you could be kind of crazy then. Yeah, yeah, so they would just be like, what the fuck, man? What's going on with him? And I'd just be laughing and, and, and taking control of the fucking um, classroom. That's good, though. I mean, at least you at least you already gave them the preference that you were kind of a wild man. Yeah. So when you showed up kind of lit, they, they kind of knew the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I know. I can't wait till my son has my Ooh. history teacher that I used to have. Is he going to go to the same high school as you? He's already in the oh, same high school. That I know, right? Uh-oh. Man. He's a freshman now. Oh, he's a freshman. I thought he might have been a sophomore. No, no. He's ending his uh, freshman year right now. Oh, boy. Yeah, man. He's doing good, man. He's got he's skin good. in the game? Fuck yeah, he's got skin in the game. Very nice. He's got a big-ass dick. Oh, I mean, no. Jesus, that's not what I was asking, but okay. I'm just kidding. Got to keep it PG-13 here. Oh, yeah. It's end of day's radio. No, we, we dropped the radio. Since radio is kind of dead... End of days. And there you go. The Michael Deacon program. Man, you tuned into Michael Deacon's and his programs. MichaelDeacon.com. 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 Tune in. Tune in right now. Yeah, that's and right. Days. And by well, the way, if anyone wants to call in, that call in number is 760-332-8724. Yeah, Max Paul, you're not walking in in a fucking no meetings right now. <laughs> Call in, man. This is what we wanted to do, right? No, uh, I'm looking at the chat room here. Uh, I'm not. I'm not hosting Midnight in the Desert. That's not true. The the rumors are not true. I'm not hosting that show. 
I, I have to tell everyone out there, I'm not the host of that program. They got a lot of things going on out there, and I'm not one of those who are being looked at in, in such a light. I actually have heat with uh, Mr. Keith Rowland. I think I, I burned that bridge, so I'm not afraid to mention his name here since it's kind of a fact. Kind of a fact. So you won't ever hear me there. Unfortunately, chat room. Yuck, are you alive? Hell yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm just making sure you're still there. <laughs> making sure you're still breathing. Of course I'm breathing, man. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your, your son, he's out there. Gonna be a freshman and, and are you afraid he's gonna get mixed in with the wrong crowd? No, not at all. I am. Not at all? No, not at all. He's not gonna be like those Navy SEALs who failed the drug test recently? I have no idea what you're talking about with the Navy SEALs. Ten but... SEALs are actually being discharged from the Navy after having uh, traces of cocaine or, and uh, meth in their systems. This happened, uh, not so long ago. I just thought I'd throw that in there since, um, these are Navy SEALs. So I'm just giving you an example here, Yuck, that it can happen to anyone. It can happen to you. Oh, I know. I understand this. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing away. That's okay. Navy SEAL shit. I know. Don't worry. There was a, recently there was another crazy person. Uh, I read a story about this dude from Ohio who flew out to visit Trump to smoke a joint with him at the Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and of course he was um on meth. Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, look it up if you ever get the chance. I mean, now, now it's ridiculous. To, we could say the same thing about Obama with, um, what's his face? That one gay guy that came out and wrote a book about him when he was, um, senator and how he sucked his dick and he smoked crack and while he was snorting cocaine. Is that former Rob? I can't think of his name. What's the, um, what's the gay guy that came out that wrote the Rob book? Ford? I thought it was Rob Ford. Uh, I think he was the guy who, wasn't he like smoking crack? Larry Sinclair. Yeah, Rob Ford. There was a video of him smoking crack. Who is Rob Ford? I don't know. Is that, was that one of his, um, bodyguards? By the way, I'm getting a phone call here. Hold on. Let's bring this caller in here. What's going on with, uh, caller, you are live on the air. How are you? Hey, how's it going, man? Is this Sheffist? It is. What's going on? I did the first time I've called into your show. This is a yeah. I've been wait. Is this the first time you've called in? Yeah, to to your show. Right. To the mic. Right. Right. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Chefus. Thanks for calling in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Just so much going on out in the world of paranormal podcasting. I thought I'd call in and and see what scuttlebutt you've heard going around there. You just uh, I heard. Heather Wade was uh, on your show earlier. Yeah, Heather Wade called in. It was it was tremendous. She called in and was laughing and talking about George Senda. It was amazing. Well, there's people uh, that are really concerned about her. Want to send out a the Nye County Sheriff to do a welfare check. Seems to be spiraling out of control. That would be a good. Idea. Yeah, that would be a good idea if someone sent a unit out there. <laughs> Someone needs to send a unit out they there. They need to send a unit out there just to make sure, you know. We don't we don't know what's yeah. going on out there. It's just kind of a toxic environment out there in Pahrump. That's right. You so don't know what a, portal. Yeah, there's a open. there's a portal and, and toxic clouds overhead. Uh, shit, man. What happened to you and Keith Rowland? Ah, uh, Keith Rowland. Yeah, we kind of got into it a long time ago, a very very long time ago, and we kind of exchanged some words over Twitter. This, this, 
this was kind of a buildup because, you know, on the previous show, I kind of went after him because he kind of gave me a false impression that I was going to be on the Dark Matter Network, or as I like to call it, the Dark uh, Fecal Matter Network. You know what? I think I may have remembered a little bit about that. Why didn't they carry your show? They should have. Well, apparently the the, the quality of the program wasn't up to par. Oh, give me a break. I've listened sound, to most of those shows. The, the sound quality is what Keith was complaining about, and he gave off this impression that once that was fixed, um, he would bring us on. Really? That is correct. That is correct, my friend. I had... I mean, it didn't sound any worse than the other shows. What were some of those shows you used to have? Dr. J? Mm, yes. And then there was another one with, um, oh, I don't know. Talk about horrible programming there. Oh, boy. It was it was unlistenable. The, the Dark Fecal Matter Dark Network. Fecal Matter. Oh, my God. I'd listen to, every once in a while, Future Theater. That's the one with Nancy and Bill Burns. I, I don't have any problems with them, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, they would actually have some interesting shows because they kind of got into the history of right. the paranormal. Right, right. And that that's kind of interesting. And then I'd call up if there was some gossip going on. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, shit. But, yeah, I got into it with him, and it spread, in, it spread over onto Twitter. And he told me to turn my radio down, and I told him to stick the radio up his ass and turn it sideways. So, you know, I don't think he likes me. I'm sure that went over well. But I was only kidding. I wasn't being serious. Right. You know, I didn't really want him to stick a radio up his ass. I mean, that's that's uncomfortable. Well, you you know what? You did it right anyway. I mean, you guys did your own thing, and I enjoyed listening to the show. Cool. Great moments, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Well, you've missed plenty of great moments here, my friend. Well, I'm going to go back in the archive and listen. Oh, there's some gold in there. Yeah, there's um, um I saw you had a one with Dr. Uh, Albert the other day. Oh, Dr. Albert Taylor. Yeah. He's a great He's guy. Always... Great, great guest. Great, great guest. I love right. bringing that guy in here. And pretty soon I'm going to be bringing on uh, Danian Brinkley. Oh, yeah. That's always interesting. Yeah, he's been on here before. Yeah, so, so which show, like, like which top two or three shows should I go back and listen to in the archives? You know, that's a tough question. That is a tough question. Let me let me think about that for a second. Oh yeah, just post it on your thread. Yeah, you know that again. I'll that's post. that's kind of tough to really uh, pin down. To be honest with you, there, there's been some some pretty inter- entertaining ones. Uh, actually, I got a great one for you. Yeah, you'll get a you'll, you'll get a you'll get a big kick out of this one. Look up the interview I did with uh, Gene Steinberg. He's the host of the Paracast. Okay. Okay, during that episode, I kind of went crazy and started going after him. (laughs) Wait, you know what? That was what was so weird uh, just the other day on the threads, on the uh, Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade thread, there were like three or four of you podcast hosts on there. What was that all about? These other people just showed up out of nowhere. It was almost like they were trying to uh, pander to an audience. Well, yeah, and uh, it was first. It was Tim. I kept thinking his, who. I kept thinking who are these hacks just showing up? There was Tim, and I forget what the show's called. It was on tonight. I listened to just a little bit of it. Was it hacky? Tim. 
No, and then Dave Scott showed up. That's another hack. Fred, and then there was someone else. You came at the very end of it. Well, I, I, you know, I went in there to watch things burn down. I didn't go in there to try to get anyone to lick my ass. I know. And then the Dave Scott guy kept talking about running his hand through the Tim guy's beard. It was so pretentious. I was like, what the fuck is this? Who are these fucking hacks? And little, I don't think they really knew where they were. They didn't know where they were because I kept wanting to go in there and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't think they, they don't get fully it. Understand. No. I felt, I felt yeah. bad though. I was kind of embarrassed for them. People are, people are laying off of them, but you know, whatever though, you know, let, let them, you know, let them find out the hard way. <laughs> it was kind of funny though. I just kept thinking, what are they doing? Oh my God. But anyway, I think these are wonderful days to live in. Uh, it's just been a blast. It's and been a good time, right? It really has. Well, it's train wreck in history. I'm oh, loving every minute. Me too. I, I, I've been enjoying it too much, to be honest. <laughs> I've been enjoying it too <laughs> I much. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I don't, I, I it's funny because I'm not going to listen to any of these shows, but of course I'm going to read up on the drama because it's hilarious. Oh, well, that's the best part. And that's what, um, you know, I've been doing the, my little show here and, uh, you know, it's been pretty good. I've been getting, uh, yeah, you've been taking some shots at me there. I just kept thinking, my goodness, look at Chef is taking shots at me it, talking about poo and this and that. When was this? Oh, when you were getting. You talked about Poon, and I just kept thinking, Shephus, the, the last time you got laid was when Obama was in office. Exactly. It's been so long, man. Shit. Has it really, though? I mean, I'm just I'm just joking around, but has it really no, been that long? I've been laying off the chick, been uh, focusing on myself uh, and my daughter, so I, uh, I've actually late been. You've been a good man. I've been trying to be a good boy. you got your priorities and, uh, in order. Exactly. I was, yes. I was yeah. getting a little uh, out of control there for a while. You're not any. You're not in any. Uh, you're not visiting any brothels. No. Well, I I've been uh, taking classes up in Phoenix. I live down here in Tucson, but I I've been taking classes in Phoenix, so I stay up there during the week. And it's dangerous when you get let loose in the big city. Oh yes. Got to be careful. <laughs> Got to watch that. Cool, ass. Uh, call in and say hey. Yeah, man, I, I really, yeah, do, man, I really, really do appreciate you calling in here. It's good to hear voice. Yeah, we'll see you out there on uh, on the threads and in, in on the interwebs. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. All right, my friend. Take care and prosper. You too, man. Peace. And there goes Chef. Is a nice, a harmful young man. Yuck! Are you still alive? Are you? Did you not hang up? No, I did not hang up. You I was were, already doing that. You were hearing the wildness. Yeah, man. He sounded like he had some wildness going on around him, too. He's a wild, man. yeah, he's a wild man. Hell yeah. He's man. a good guy. He's a good guy. And of course, yes, the episode with Gene Steinberg. Gotta listen to that one if you haven't heard it. I was kind of trashing Gene a little bit there. But I mean, what am I supposed to do? He was kind of stinking up the joint. It was getting boring here. Well, he brought up Keith Rowland and then I Googled him. And I found the dark splatter matter. Oh, no. Or whatever you were talking about. Oh, no. You saw that, huh? I was just trying to follow in. I hear you. Now with you guys. Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crap. So you go over here picking fights on social media with Keith Rowland? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over that stage. I, I don't do that anymore. Oh, man. I've been behaving. 
That's a good guy. Yeah, I'm not fighting with anyone. You know, I, I joke around. It's out of love. Oh, I know, man. I know you. Yeah, I don't really mean it. Hey, man, sometimes, sometimes you just can't. I kind of mean it. <laughs> just like a teaspoon. You know, hey, that's the best humor when it's like, hey, I really mean it, but you know I don't really mean it. Yeah, I don't really mean it that much, you know. Uh-huh. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely uh, check that episode out, especially you, Yuck. I don't think you've ever heard that episode. Hell no. Dude, you got to hear that one. You, I, If so, there's any episode I've ever done, listen to the episode with Gene Steinberg. I kid you not, you're going to just, you're going to piss your pants. How do you spell Gene? Which way do you spell Gene? G-E-N-E and Steinberg. Is it? it did I just say something that's really fucked up for me to say? No, not at all. It's cool. I know. You're good, man. You're good. So, so what's been going on with you, Yoko, and your, your show? Oh, my bad. Um, when, yeah. when does your show even come on? I, I just know it was like a Wednesday, right? Yeah, every Wednesday. Wednesday, man, we get right. crazy. Get in the corner podcast. Holy fuck, man. We get stupid. All we, um, my partner that I do the podcast with is Dog of Baby. We've been like best friends since what, fifteen years old. Yeah, you man. guys been running amok. Hell yeah, man. As the as the folks like to say. Yeah, man. We man, dude. Um, yeah, man. We get we get a lot of good downloads. Um, it feels good. I'll say it right now, man. It feels good to get like twenty five thousand, thirty, forty thousand downloads a month. That fucking is amazing. And all we do is just make fun of each other. He's got a stutter problem. I got a slur problem. <laughs> we make fun of each other and just talk shit and sing songs about it. It's a good time. Exactly. Not every not everyone out there wants to listen to a totally serious program. Yeah, that's what I've learned. Oh yeah, we're the total opposite. We the, we are the anti podcast podcast. Pretty much, I think so. Other other people <laughs> who you know what I've noticed. Other people who have shows. They're, they're kind of, they kind of act like dicks to me for some reason. Oh yeah, dude, they're that's very dickish thing. to me. I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't do anything to any of these people, but I've noticed they're, they're kind of like assholes to me. That's kind of how they are towards me. Not sure why. I never done it, never did anything to them. Man, I understand that so much. And you'd be surprised the, the, the people who do exactly know who I am. Exactly. It trips me out. This is a small circle, so I know. So I trip out all the time. Um, Art Bell liked my show, but you don't hear me, uh, throw that down anyone's fucking throat. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to pander to anyone. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. What, what does that mean? It, that's not. I mean, it's not really going to put me over anywhere. I mean, I've been on terrestrial radio a couple times. I mean, I didn't do anything. So radio is dead. It's a, it's a big difference when you bring it up humbly. And when you're not like yelling about it, like Alex Jones. Well, I'm not humble. I'm not humble. I mean, I'm I'm bitter. I'm jaded. I don't think people know that. I'm angry. I know you. Do you like angry. the way? Do you like the way I was saying that? I, I, I totally felt it, man. I want to give you a hug. I, I wasn't really that that serious. I know, man. Just a teaspoon. Dude, I would hug you, but I wouldn't embrace you. Just close enough so our dicks could talk to each other. That's very romantic. <laughs> See, you know, that that's what makes America great, just that right there. What do you think about Kanye? I don't even know what to conceive of that notion. Is he is he trying to pander to that crowd uh, for record sales, or is that really his philosophical way of thinking? I don't know. 
Dude, I think it is. I think that's Kanye. That's him? That's really that's him? That's him, man. Just, just remember, he's been gone for a year, but prior to the year that he's been gone, he's always been the same exact rhetoric. He's just doing it for attention, though. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, 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 I mean. He's, he's being smart. I think that's what he's doing. I don't think it's a marketing ploy. You don't think so? I don't think so. I at totally all. think a big part of it is, though. I don't think so, man. That's how a lot of these people work, though. They're, they're celebrities. They have to create all the drama and all the attention. That's how they um, remain relevant. Yo, let me say this. Go ahead. Um, Sorry. Very good. No, no, no problem. Um, there's a very good podcast by Charlemagne the God and Andrew Schultz called The Brilliant Idiots. Idiots. (laughs) Now that, now that's a name I never thought I'd ever hear muttered on the air on this program. Really? Dude, it's, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God. <laughs> yeah, Charlemagne the God. Oh um, my God, we've come full, we come full circle to finally hear that name uh, said on the program. You know who he, you know who he is. Of course, you? of course, <laughs> of course, I know who he is. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let me try to figure out why we brought him up. Um, yeah, go back. Um, go back in time. What the fuck is the point of this? Yeah, what was the point? God damn it, motherfucker, Michael. Now I'm over here smiling. And- That's what happens, though. You know, we lose track of everything when we're on this program. Uh, so do I. I have those tendencies, too. He was making a point. What the fuck, man? I know. Um, we were flowing, and then we, it's, it's just gone. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't know. Lost in ether. So anyways, all right. I know I, I know. I could back up to this point. Okay, back it up. Um, This is Kanye. It's Kanye. He's been gone. He he cut off his Twitter. He never he never said anything for a year, right? But prior to that year, he was always talking like he is talking right now. Right, right. I I recall. Dramatic, maybe not. Um. He's like a diva. Oh yes. He's totally. like a male diva. And, and, and the whole time, okay, this is what I was saying. The whole time, um, the the brilliant idiots podcast brought up, um. It's not a selling ploy because he's been selling Yeezys, his shoes, the whole fucking time. Just because he's about to drop an album. That doesn't mean anything to you. To me, um, yeah, man, I, 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 I buy into both ways. You know what I mean? Me personally, I buy into both ways. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to tell him, I'm not, I'm not saying he's crazy or he's talking to me. He's talking the same way he's always talked. He's always talked this way. Even um, I was thinking of back to an interview that he did um, when before he right when he forgot, right when he first got signed to Rockefeller, his same cadence. Um, Beanie Siegel called him gay, and, and the you dude, know who you know who I think is gay. Hold on, man. Let me that that Puff podcast. Daddy. Oh, sorry, sorry. Just course, Puff, it, Puffy's gay as fuck. Kind of throw him under the bus there. Oh, Puffy's gay as fuck. Um, the, the point I'm trying to drill home is this is the same Kanye that, that's always been Kanye. Yeah. This is the same guy. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. All right. He's saying the same things that he's always said, even though he just took a year off and that's why it's so shocking. You don't think he's, he's slightly trolling? <sighs> Dude, maybe. I think so. The only way I, I say this so. is, he said, um, dude, um, Charlemagne asked him, why do you like Trump? I don't know, man. I just love him. It's my guy, you know? Sounds just like Kanye. Sounds like Kanye, right? So that makes me, right there, that statement right there that you just said makes me buy into the fact that I don't think he is trolling. That this is him. That's just him. You don't know what the f- 
I don't want to say he don't know what the fuck he's doing. That was about to spill out of my fucking mouth. It's all right. I know. That's why I'll say it's okay, it. Okay, it's all right. I know, I know. You can say anything here. What's the dude, um, did you watch that whole TMZ interview with Kanye? Uh, well, the only thing I actually saw was uh, the part where the other other gentleman got very offended with what he said, and Kanye Man. went over there and gave him a hug. Yeah, his name is Van. That was kind of weird. I know, I know, I know, right? Yeah, he didn't look like he wanted to touch Kanye West. Uh, he I think happy. he did that. He did that for the cameras, man. You should embrace Kanye. What the fuck, man? Well, I don't know. I'm not really too into celebrity worship, though. That's not my thing. No doubt. I'm not. I didn't mean that that way. Well, I mean, he. he two motherfuckers. I'm not talking about me and you. Right. Fuckers. He should have played it off for the camera. You you work for TMZ, Van. That you know you got a point there. That's what I'm saying. Not not me and you. Yeah, yeah. I would have just been like, really, what a weird interaction. Yeah, it was, was weird. weird. It was just like it looked fake. It did. And, it looked kind of fake of though. Saying that Van already had that shit written. Oh yeah, come on. It, it's it's on television, of course. TMZ, of course. You know it has to be all. Everything scripted. Pre-screened, carefully on, orchestrated. You know how that goes. Yeah, we're waiting on Max Paul to call in to tell us how it goes. Yes, Maxie. I don't even know where he's at. I don't think he's going to call in. I know, I'm busting his balls. Oh, well, it's it happens, though. It happens. And, uh, you know, one thing I did want to ask you was, what do you think about Alex Jones and, and facing that lawsuit? Damn, what lawsuit? I know, right? Which one? Yeah, exactly. He's got the one with the with the wife, with, with the Sandy Hook uh, parents there, Dude. the Parkland parents. He, he's dealing with a lot of heat. I know. How do you, how, you know, that that's what I always wonder. How do these people who stay on top and generate lots of money, how, how do they stay on top while they face numerous lawsuits all the time? You would have to think eventually they're going to run out of money having to deal with all this shit all the time. Yeah, exactly. How are you going to um, run to the well that many times? You know what I mean? Michael, Alex Jones. He must be making a lot of money. Not anymore. Uh, or at least, dude, not for the last year and a half. When Google and YouTube changed everything, Alex Jones, his money. Think it dried up? Real fast. Because it, it was, as soon as Google Analytics changed, he went on, he went on a 24 hour podcast or, or something like that trying to promote his vitamins, his vitamins, which we've, um, last time, last time we talked, talked about how, um, <laughs> there was fluoride found in it. Mm, fluoride. <laughs> it, fluoride found in the, uh, caveman supplement that he sells. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude. And That's I actually, funny. I wanted to make sure, cause yeah, um, I, I re, uh, like I look back after that we talked about it live last time on your show, me and you. And yeah, yeah, there's still, there's still reports of that, yeah. My goodness, it's a mess. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, so he lost a lot of money when YouTube changed. He was trying yeah. to sell them supplements, and then all of a sudden Google changed. Google AdWords changed, and, and they wouldn't even promote Alex Jones supplements anywhere. Yeah, yeah they, they, they've taken my videos down before too. Oh yeah, man. It's not good, I don't like that. The rise of, Alternate media uh, that can make money is going away. That's how I feel about the radio industry. It's it's going away slowly. Yeah. The the days where you can actually make a good living are gone. Yeah. There's only certain um, 
even podcasting, there's only certain companies that will fuck with you guys or fuck with us guys and promote and advertise with us guys. And it's the same products that everybody's shilling. And it's just caught us in the same loop of, well, let's not even do it then. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting how these platforms have changed dramatically over the years. Dude, the fucking youther community. It's crazy. Yeah, man, the youth community, or not the youth, truther community on YouTube. The young is, creationists? Yo, these guys are fucked now as far as monetizing shit. Right. Yeah, because, um. I wonder when there's going to be another platform to replace YouTube. Yo, man, there's, there's a be. lot of, there's, there's some out there. Like, um, DTube. Yeah, there's DTube and BitChute, but it's yeah. not, it's not as popular as YouTube at the moment. And, and, and this is what happened, right? YouTube motherfucking brought the crowd to them, made sure everyone was getting paid. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden, once the crowd was there, it was like, whoosh. Yep. They pulled the rug right underneath you. Terms of services have changed. No one can broadcast live or, or monetize unless they have 400,000 freaking um, hours or at least 4,000 um, subscribers. And this is just the newest one. It, it, it's been it's been the frog in the bucket for the last, like, two and a half, three years. Frog in the um, frying pan. Yeah, and that's why we had that shooter go out there. Yeah. She was pissed off. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that crazy woman. Yeah. And that's a scary woman, by the way. She looked good though, didn't she? You you thought she looked good? <laughs> you go out with her, she kind of looked like um. I think for black hair and brown eyes, so I don't know, man. Maybe I did or did not whack off to her videos. I'm sure you did. <laughs> You're watching her exercise videos. I know you. I know you, buddy. I know what you're into. Oh yeah, man. I love you, motherfucking Michael. <laughs> I love you too, my friend, and I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program here. I am going to close shop now, but Hell yes, yeah. but yes, my friend, thanks for calling in here and um, having hey. this uh, fun conversation with me here. Man, I love you, baby. Um, text me out on Wednesday. It's my birthday, May 9th, on the corner. I'm going to have to call in. Call in. That's what I'm saying. Please call in. I'm going to. It's your birthday. Hell yeah, man. Perfect. Fucking love you, Michael, man. You keep doing your thing. Thank you for having me on. Uh, well, clockwise, my friend, uh, love you very much. And, and, you know, you do a great show. It's very entertaining and I'll be there Wednesday. Hell yeah, baby penis. All right. Mahalo. And there he goes. And of course, before I wrap up here tonight, I do want to give a little recognition for our international listeners out there. Here are the top 10 countries out there who tune in and uh, listen live on the stream. Here we go. Of course, number one is the United States. Two is Germany. Not surprised. The, the Germans love this program for whatever reason. Really appreciate them. And, of course, number three is the United Kingdom. Four is Canada. Five is France. Not sure why we got France in there, but, hey, they're out there. Six is Afghanistan. I think I know very well who's out there from that country listening in. Number seven is unknown. Eight is Denmark. Nine, Austria. Ten, Iran. Once again, I think I know who's out there. Thank you, men and women out there, wherever you are. Just know that my message comes from the heart. I truly appreciate all of you out there. Thank you very much for listening in and uh, for being with me here. And that includes tonight's broadcast. Please help fund this program. Go to michaeldeacon.com. 
I would appreciate it greatly. I need your help to keep this show alive. This program completely depends on its listeners. Spread the word about the program. Tell your family and friends. Tell everyone. I'll be back next week. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if you can just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should have been before 726. Oh, I'm not a Grammy. I'm not a Grammy. I'm not a Grammy. I'm not a Grammy. I'm Flawless victim.